<laughs> I haven't even slept yet. Yeah. But uh, it's great to have you on. You know when uh, uh, the the Rob the Booker's like Kevin Farley and oh my gosh, and then Adam's like oh we have to. Get, yes, when there's we got to have him on. And Adam, why don't you tell him your you know your your heroes in life? I think it's important for you to yeah, set the glad, tone. Gladly, yeah. Um, Look, I grew up in the early 90s watching SNL, dude. And, yeah. you know, I mean, this is going to segue into talking about your family and your brother and everything. But on my Mount Rushmore of life is your brother and Adam Sandler. Of life, dude. Oh, really? Like, I, I used to do stand-up comedy. I had to transition out of it because I wanted to make money at some point. <laughs> but, yeah, I you mean, don't do it. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> you don't. <no. laughs> you don't do it. <laughs> And, it's not uh, a making money making thing. But I just remember in middle school running around, just getting you know, like everything. Like yeah. it's you know, it'd be like, like what I said, like your your favorite baseball player of all time, Juan Gonzalez. Like yeah. meeting it, meeting the entire yeah. Gonzalez family would be a big deal for you. So no, yeah, uh, there's a, still a lot of people you know that uh, remember him, and that's why I made the documentary because I wanted to. Show people, you know, what he was like, and that there's a lot of been said about Chris and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I kind of wanted to set the record straight a little bit on on some of that stuff, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a those are it was a great documentary. I was I was happy with it, you know. Awesome. Well, let me ask you, you you guys are less than a year separated. What is it? Yeah, no, Chris was like a year. Yeah, it's called Irish Twins, We're right? Irish, yeah. So you know, I think he's like a month, a year, like a month. Uh, older than I am, yeah. Which is crazy. So, the, your older yeah. brother, one year apart, is Chris Farley, legendary. I yeah, mean, but like yeah, you have yeah, a lot yeah. of what he had. We're like Irish twins, exactly. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. question. So, so when I well, think we're very about different. I'm like Chris Farley light. You know, I don't. I'm not going to throw myself on a table. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so yesterday we're we're uh, hanging out at this event and we're talking to Pompliano, right? Yeah. Pomp, uh, Bitcoin. And I'm asking about his family, five right. brothers, how they're doing, and he's telling the story massive of massive guy in the Bitcoin. Yeah, space. He's, he's, is he? Yeah, yeah he massive. is. And and he's but all the five brothers, they're all doing something, right? From 26, the youngest, to 33, being him, the oldest. They're all players. They're all killers. Yeah. And I said, so tell me about the household growing up. Well, how was dad like? How was mom like? And he said, you know, dad was a worker six days a week, but mom ran the show. And I said, but tell me about the whole you know dynamics because I got four kids. Yeah. What was the Farley household like growing up? That's what I want to know. Yeah, um, all brothers know. too, right? Yeah. Kevin? No, yeah. there's one, oh, sister, no, one sister. One sister, okay. sister Barb. Yeah, 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 who's actually the funniest. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of like because we had four boys in the basement. You know, we had a house that had a basement. We didn't have an upstairs, so it was kind of like living in a dungeon area. Like, sort of, I don't know, but we also Wisconsin was cold. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of comedians come from like Canada and Wisconsin because you're trapped inside and there's no other thing to do other than like we didn't have a lot of things growing up, you know, other than I'm going to try to make you laugh, you know, or else I'm going to try to make you laugh mm -hmm. or I'm going to do something. And then we dare always daring. I dare you to do that. I dare you to do that. And we'd make up games like, does this hurt? You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's a pretty simple game. Hey, you don't game. want to lose at that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what it's was a the, the pretty oldest, simple game, you know. The oldest to youngest. Give us the rundown. Well, Give there's us. Barb, who's the oldest. She's, she was the oldest yeah, sister. Gotcha. She had her own section of the house. You know, yeah. So we couldn't go over there. She had uh, Carpenter's albums that we couldn't touch and that kind of thing. And then, uh, then they had the rest of us just kind of like piled in an area. We'd switch like... One one of us would get in a fight, and then I'd have to room with John, and then you know one of us would get in another fight, and we'd have to room with Chris. And there's and there's like three that. boys. 
One girl? Four boys. Four boys. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And and what, what are the age gaps? From Boy, for someone that worships Chris close. Farley, you'd think he'd know his oh, bio yeah. a little bit. To be honest, bit. I, yeah, I, yeah. I know, I know yeah. Chris and Kevin. That's who I know. First, Ke- I'm hearing Kevin. that Barb is the uh, most funny. Hey, hour two, we get to Kevin's cousins. John's the older yeah, brother. Yeah. John's the John's the older brother, right? John. John's youngest. He's the youngest. John's the youngest. Yeah. And then I have a brother, Tom, and then a brother, Chris, and then myself, and then John. And how many years separate the... There's only a couple years. Yeah. Dude, what is that? happened You guys all went to middle school, high school. All at the same time. Pretty much, yeah. What was yeah. that like? I mean, a football team, you know, parties, keg, yeah. this, basement. What was all that like? It was, you know, I, I think that I look at kids growing up now and I'm like, I kind of feel bad. Like, we were out a lot. Like, I'd be like, see you later, I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> and I'd go be with my friends for hours. And I don't know, I never went home or anything. Like, I never went in front of the television, you know. We had to make up our own fun in our own and when when the vcr hit they were like oh wow i'm gonna watch this all day long but no we were making our own fun like we're out in the out and playing basketball or, or making up our own games or mm-hmm. trying to usually chris was always the funniest like we could make him do anything you know what i mean <laughs> we could like, he would do anything like uh, anything like, anything no it's like you know you you make these dares where you go hey i dare you do this i dare you do that and you know <laughs> i'm not gonna do that like He'd do that. Craziest dare he ever yeah, did. What's the craziest dare? No, oh, I don't know. You know, running, you know, the simple one was running around the, the block naked. That's just how could that ever he not goes be to funny? School. That's pretty <laughs> simple. I mean, but oh. but it takes. It's it's not a very you know nobody came up with the idea like really thought about the idea in Wisconsin. But it was the most dangerous thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because. You're ultimately going to get a call from the neighbor going, hey, I just saw <laughs> Chris you. is running around naked again. <laughs> but think about it. If you're an yeah. expert at physical comedy, which yeah. he was, yeah. I mean, that had to be the yeah. funniest sight. And you couldn't get mad, right? You I mean, just see just Chris hilarious. Farley running down, you know, doing a whole mile around, mm-hmm. the, you know. And then he had to, the, the, he had to complete the, the thing, though. You had to. You can't back out of the dare. Yeah. Nobody when we likes made the these dares, oh. When we made these dares, you had to complete the dare. Now, were you the one... You couldn't back out. Were you basically. the one mostly daring him to do the thing, or yes. like what was your? I wasn't. What involved was your involvement? In all I this? was a chicken. I would make the game up. Yeah, I would help make the game, but I'd never do the thing. He was always doing those. You're things. the producer, and he's yeah. more the time. I would get the credit. And I would laugh. <laughs> but by the way, what, what's the story with Dad? Dad was like an instigator. He would come in. He would like, hey, yeah. It seems like he was he was uh, also orchestrating a little bit yeah, of this. A lot of that. He would be one of those things where he he had five kids that he'd rile up and then. And then get him into a frenzy and then walk out the room and be like, all right, <laughs> my mom handle it. But he was uh, an asphalt salesman, so he, he sold asphalt for a living. And, you know, if you ever see an asphalt crew that's like 120 degrees out on the road, and then we would sell the oil for the asphalt. And so, you know, it was tough. And if like, we didn't do good at school, he'd be like, I'll get you on the asphalt crew if you like. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh <laughs> right? God. There's the ultimate third. Pat, you know, <laughs> yeah, Kevin's yeah. stand-up routine is awesome. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, you talk about, you know, your family. You talk about Chris. He's got one joke where he talks about, I'm, I got to find out if this was a joke or if this really happened. The joke yeah. you had where Chris came back for Christmas with sex toys for oh, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he thought it'd be really funny. You know, and, and he's like, yeah, I got this. is going to be funny. I'm going to give everybody a sex toy. And I go, yeah, it's not going to be funny. You know, you're going you're gonna to ruin Christmas. And he bought too many of them. Yeah, you know, 100, you he bought 100 yeah. sex toys yeah. back. And so after you opened up the first one, you're like, ah, oh, okay, I got a, you know, I got a sex toy. And then, and then you open up like 20 of them. 
You said Man, dad's not going to like this. And he brought this for mom, work. dad, the yeah, brothers. the whole works. Everyone gets a sex yeah, toy or two. Yeah, and the joke ran out about after the third present, you know, and then we're all just kind of like, nah, you've got to go to the hospital. There's something wrong. <laughs> so he just ran around the block <laughs> naked. There's something wrong with you. So then he just ran around the block And how old is he when this story happened? He was uh, old, too old to know. Right, like Probably the, the, in college. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, it was too old to be That's doing just that. Hilarious. Yeah, no. I can only imagine the reaction. You need to come home. Like if I did that with my dad, what my dad's reaction would be. The do funniest you, thing uh, about him is though, he would do those things where he thought <laughs> it was, he legitimately thought it was going to be funny. And I'm like, this is going to miss the mark on such a level that is like, <laughs> wow, this is going to be so embarrassing. It's going to be great. And he was just, but he'd still commit to the joke, and that was right. part of his comedy where. Even though you weren't really sure if this was going to be funny, but he would go so far into it that he made it funny, right? Even just because of his commitment to it, you know. Would you so, have to applaud? I mean, yeah. Well, by the way, yeah. didn't 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 in the documentary that you produced? Didn't I don't know if it was the EP or or the the producer who was that said. He didn't just like comedians that were funny. He liked comedians that took a lot of risks. Yeah. And it seems like your brother was a risk taker with a lot of these things. On stage. Yeah, Yeah. on stage. Yeah, on his life, too. (laughs) But, I mean, on stage, he would always appreciate any kind of comedy, even, like, just to get up there. I mean, you did stand-up. Just Mm -hmm. to get up there with a microphone or get up there and do improv. We were in the improv in Second City and that kind of thing. Chicago. Yeah, we all did that. And so when in improv, you're starting out with nothing, just like a – you know, and a suggestion from the audience, and then you know, everybody goes from there. And so just to get up there takes a lot of guts. It just does, you know, and st- it's, it just takes a lot. So he always empathizes, yeah, hey, if you gave it a chance, you know, if you get up there and you, and you didn't try, he didn't like that. You got to get up there and really try, take risks. And, and if you took a risk, he'd be like, I love it. You took a risk. It didn't work, but who cares? It's about trying it, taking a risk on stage or wherever you're doing it. Sure, and that's what separates the great ones because everybody's up there, you're feeling naked, right? And you got to keep going on and that's how you learn to persevere and and come up with some some good standby jokes. That always always, we had a football coach uh, that uh, had this saying, which was funny, like whenever you know you had a play that you messed up and then you'd go to the coach, you're like, well, I thought I needed to pull this way. And my coach would always go, well, don't think, do. <laughs> and he goes, if you're going to make a mistake, make an aggressive mistake. And Chris always used to say that, you know, would that apply to stage where you're not, sh- not sure what you're doing out there, but make that aggressive. And then you could kind of fake it. You're like, I knew what I was doing. The whole Did time. you play football as well? Yeah. So yeah. what positions were you guys? Oh, we were all on the line because we were too big. Let's get know? all the big boys on the yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. We were not skilled I could positions. just see some Farley's pulling guards <laughs> yeah. over there. All right, yeah. sweep left. Yeah. No, Farley's going We left. were all on the line. Yeah, we were all on the line. There was no skilled position. What was that like out. in high school? If you're, you know, he's in 10th grade, you're in 9th grade or whatever, senior, junior, locker room, football, like this boys constant. being boys. What was that like? It was a competition to see who could be the funniest. To me, we valued funny guys. Yeah. And if you were a funny guy in in our school or any of our friends or even our family, you, you rose to the top, you know. If you could make everyone laugh, because, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was to me, you, that was the goal to be. The 100%. funny guy, the, the guy that was always making people laugh. You know, and he was always constantly the winner of that. He was he won that every time. You know, and did you in your grade? Like, Sometime, if he was the yeah, funniest for yeah. his grade, were you? I was in my grade. Yeah, 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 I was. I learned from everyone. Just it seemed natural. You know, being growing up and trying to just make uh, 
make the other guys laugh. And was everybody laugh. trying to impress dad? Like, what was the impetus for yeah, everyone's definitely. trying to be funny in the Farley household? Yes. Yeah. Was it stemmed from my dad? dad was very funny. Really? Yeah. And uh, I think there was always this, you know, you just want to, you know, uh, make the big guy laugh. You know, if you could make mm-hmm. the big guy laugh, then you were you were in good. Well, least, then he's not you know. mad at you. You're not also, getting in trouble. Because, right. you know, it's not like yeah. we didn't get in trouble. Cause we do, you, do you think there there is a, a element of, you know, because when you look at comedians, what are what are some of the DNAs of comedians? Some of them lived a very hard life. Right. Like it yeah. just wasn't a cool upbringing. So they have to figure out a way to how, how to use comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of it is maybe your. And you got a person that is such a high expectation person that you want to humor him or perform or something like what, what do you what do you notice being the DNA of great comedians? Loners, is, loan, like a Robin it, Williams. Would you say Absolutely. that? I don't, I don't know. I'm curious to know what you would say. I think they don't they don't have good, you know, family. Like it, It's not Ozzy and Harriet. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that our, our family was, you know, uh, terrible. I always have good memories of it. But, yeah, there was some struggles. My dad was a big guy. He wasn't real healthy. And. There was some sadness there, you know, and so there's always this combination of, of that going behind the scenes. And so, you know, there was uh, I don't know of any comedians that had like really perfect like where your parents were mm-hmm. um, constantly just listening to everything you said. I think part of being in a big family, too, you get kind of lost and you want to like you know, get more attention, you know. So, I mean. There's all that dynamic going on, you know, with our house, you know. And so, you know, who knows? It, it wasn't like really, I can't say it was like really dark, but mm-hmm. there was this, yeah, it doesn't, I don't think comedians uh, that I know have that kind of uh, upbringing where it's a little difficult, a little difficult. And there's either a poverty or, or uh, some kind of thing going on, you know. You, you know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm watching uh, a, a lot of you and a lot of, you know, Chris this morning, and I'm going through a lot of the content last night, today. I'm driving back. I got an hour drive after I dropped this guy off. And I watched a clip this morning of Adam Sandler singing the song dedicated to oh, your man. brother. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Sure. And let me tell you, yeah. I'm driving, yeah. and, you know, and I'm like, I can't even control yeah. my. I had to pull no. over. I'm like, this the, is the very, end of the song gets ridiculously well, there's a, emotional. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. look. Uh, so, I, I see uh, uh, one of the lines. I, I took screenshots while I'm driving. So it says, "I saw him in the office, crying with headphones on, listening to a Casey and the Sunshine Band song." Yeah. I yeah. said, "Buddy, how the hell is the making you? Uh, how the hell is that making you so sad?" He said. Then he laughed and said. Just thinking about my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can tell the the affinity this guy had for his dad, your he brother. Did. I mean, there's got to yeah. be that love, that adoration. Was it that kind of a thing? Yeah. I want to make him proud. Yeah, he loved my. I love my dad. My dad was a great man, and but he had some troubles, you know. And uh, he was, you know. And so I think Chris always wanted to make him feel better. You know, he wasn't very healthy, you know. And so he always wanted to make him laugh and that kind of thing. When somebody's chronically ill like that, you know, it's tough to have that in your family, you know. So he always wanted to make him feel better because he wasn't feeling good all the time, you know. So, you know, I think that's part of it, you know. And I think uh, Chris had a huge heart, you know. He had a huge heart. He always felt uh, for people, very empathetic, you know, and that kind of thing. We used to go visit old people 
and he wanted to always go visit old people in, in wow. old folks' mm-hmm. homes, you know. And but it was kind of funny too because like he'd stay too long, you know. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, you know, this woman is this woman is pretty sick, Chris. Uh, you know, she doesn't have that doesn't have that long to live now. No, I'm not know. leaving. And, they, and the nurses <laughs> staying with Barbara the nurses to would the be end. like, you know, don't yell and don't you know, be like Chris would be like, hi, I'm Chris. <laughs> an old and angel. An old angel. And the lady be like, one lady is like, ah. Get out of here! <laughs> and then this other, this one lady thought it. She's like, "Are you David, my son?" And he goes, "No, I'm Chris." And she's like, "David?" And he goes, "No, no, I my name's Chris." And I'm like, "This is confusing. Right. Let's get out We're of here." Just argument. say you're David. <laughs> <laughs> say you're David. <laughs> so you know, Pat brings up um, the tribute that Adam Sandler mm-hmm. sang. Yeah. I, I, ultimately, what we're talking about is Chris's legacy. And right. I mean, whether it's Sandler's tribute, whether it's even, you know, comedians these days, Theo Vaughn, his set just yeah. had a picture of Farley on it. That, uh, yeah. Your brother. That's right. it. That was his set. That's right. His set. And even you producing our co- co-executive, that, yeah. co- co-executive producing uh, I Am Farley. Speaking of his legacy, I mean. Is it that's my brother, or do you want to kind of carve your own path? How do you balance being the brother of literally one of the greatest comedians to ever live? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I I, I have to live with it, so I don't try to like separate. I talk a little bit about it in my act, you know. Mm-hmm. And but uh, like I say, I'm kind of Chris Farley light. I don't really jump around or do anything like that. All of his comedy is a little different than I, my comedy, yeah. but. But I try not to run away from it. I mean, I really right. can't. I mean, people that talk to me all the time, they, when they know that I'm Chris's brother, they want to talk about it. So I don't mind it. Of course. It's not something I run away from. But I, yeah, I'm trying to carve out my own thing, sure. you know. But I naturally not as bombastic yeah. as him. So You're not as loud and gregarious. Yeah, yeah, when people want me to do things, I'm well, just like, on, well, to, I'm not. To, to that point, that. speaking of your bits, not running away from it, you have got a yeah. great bit where you're like, you know, I'm the brother of a famous guy, uh, right. and you kind of you talk about Ro- Roger Clinton. Yeah, you there's talk, a guy you bring that up came other up brothers and other famous people yeah. are like Jim Hanks. That's a guy that came yeah, up to exactly. me one time. Tell I was opening story, up for, uh, I think it was Bobby Slayton that said that to me, and I think one time I just laughed. It was it was funny. He goes, "You're Kevin Farley." I was like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Yeah, I know Jim Hanks." I'm like Tom Hanks. Brother. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> oh, he knew Jim Hanks. Yeah, he wasn't Jim Hanks. No, he no. Was. This guy goes, yeah. I mean, this is the kind of conversations I always run yeah, into. Yeah. You know, I knew Jim. Yeah, Hanks. you're Kevin Farley. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I knew Jim Hanks. I'm like, oh god, okay. <laughs> what? what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. You know, so I'm like, well, this is the kind of life that I have. I'm like, thanks, Chris. You know, but <laughs> right. this is the kind of thing. These are the kind of conversations I have with people, you know. Like, hey, Kevin, oh, let me yeah. ask you this. I love your stand-up. It's so good. It's observational. It's based on real life. And if you love Chris Farley, you get some of that. But mm-hmm. Kevin's his own man and a brilliant comic. My question is, you know, he had those Spade. I love Spade, right? And, and Sandler yeah. and those guys were so close to Chris. And when, when you're around you, there are similarities in personality. Do they try to hang out with you? Do they talk to you, keep the relationship going, and kind of feel like they still have Chris in their life a little well, bit? Well, sometimes. I don't see him as much as I did. I th- obviously, life gets in the way. But I used to hang out when I was in L.A. I used to hang out with those guys a lot more than I mm-hmm. did now. But I don't hang out with them as much because, you know, just people get families and that kind of thing. And But, yeah, I think probably there was some of that. Sure. I think there was probably some of that. But I think... 
they miss him so much and uh people loved him you know and the, and that's the, the legacy that the, he has is uh his friends really loved him and everyone on SNL always spoke highly yeah man it was so powerful right. when you hear those yeah. guys I mean their lives were really really ruined for a little bit I mean Spade yeah. couldn't go to the funeral am I correct mm-hmm. yeah no that was too yeah. much he called and said I can't really do it and you know, I understand. I mean, it's 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 uh, it was a that was a dark, dark. Those were dark days, you know, and uh, my dad passed away a couple of years after that. So we uh, we went through our tough time definitely during those, you know, mm-hmm. during those times. But that was for everybody. And the funeral itself was really, really that was one of the most moving things just to see people, how much she touched people's mm-hmm. lives, you know. So I'm I'm proud of him for that, you know. For all of his faults that he mm-hmm. had, he had a huge heart, and he touched people uh, and, and got to people. And, and so he lives, that's his legacy. And so, you know, I look back, and you know, I, I'm proud of him for that, you know. So that's, that's, yeah. that's the greatest thing for in sure. the world. Yeah. No one will ever forget Chris Farley. That's for damn sure. I mean, he just had that that power. I mean, you could yeah. not watch him and not be moved, affected, and really have this lingering affection yeah. for him because he was so lovable and so real, and he was so daring and willing to go out there. Yeah, he lived like he he lived like right out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Where uh, and you kind of worried about him at the same time, like as his brother. I'm like, oh, I'm it's like a tightrope, you know. Did he talk yeah. to? You? Did he talk? I, I was watching. Uh, uh, I watched. Uh, 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 Howard Stern talked to Chris Rock and Artie at the same time. And mm-hmm. they, were, they were talking about your brother. Yeah. And they're having a conversation. <clears throat> and what I thought about, I had a friend who was like a brother. I never had a brother growing up, but this guy was one of them. And I remember when I, I lost this guy. I remember where I was driving when I got the call. And it was the most painful thing. And yeah. the 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 crazy thing about when we went to his funeral was we were all sitting afterwards, all the boys, like 10 of us, were sitting at the table and everybody's looking at our table saying, why aren't these guys laughing and crying at the same time? We were in tears. Adam, when I tell you, mm-hmm. we're, we're laughing so hard and crying at the same time, yeah. okay? Right. And, and it's almost uncomfortable because the family's like, do you respect? I'm like, I'm telling you, this is how yeah. we feel about your son. We mm-hmm. loved your son, but he pissed us off because we don't have him anymore. We wish he was here. We lost him at 27. But would he call you when he was in pain? Because this friend of mine, he would always call me, and I would always call him and check on him. And he just tell me, he says, Pat, I'm struggling with this. And I'm like, what are you struggling? We'd have the conversation together. Would he reach out? Was he someone that would Mm -hmm. reach out? Would you have to reach out to him? No, no, he would reach out. But then he would isolate, too, because he never wanted to be a burden, you know. To people. So the isolation is, is, it's, it's tough, especially with drugs and it's tough and, and you don't, you want to try to like help as much as you can, but it's something that they have to go through themselves, you know? So it's, it's very heartbreaking to see someone that's, you know, going through that kind of thing. And, you know, you just don't know what to do. You don't know. It puts everybody yeah. in this kind of thing. Like I wish we could just get him, you know, somehow help him out, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, this but, has been part of your life, man. So, so you've been, uh, you've had every conversation, every question, every thought, everything that's gone through. It's been 25 years, 97, you know? right? December 18th, I want to say. So that's it's been right. 24, 24 and a half years, coming on 25 years. So mm-hmm. you, you, you probably had every question that people ask. But I'm listening to Chris, what he's saying, and Chris Rock, he's telling Howard, the solution is stop hiring him. Or to fire him. No, yeah. he says stop. And he, Chris's right. recommendations, the way you get these guys, he says, number one, he says a lot of the people 
who are in the industry. All mm -hmm. they want to do is they want to heal them for a weekend to do yeah. the shoot and then go back and do your drugs and we'll give you everything you want, but then let's put you through right. therapy again to clean you out. It says rather than permanently fix a person, stop hiring him, stop giving him money, right. stop, let him go broke so he doesn't have the money to buy this stuff. Right. And yeah. that's the only way to clean up. So they're going back and forth. And then Howard says, but is it really... The producer's fault? Is it? He says, no, I'm not saying it's not the producer. It was a very interesting yeah, he exchange. Called, he called the Hollywood yeah. people yeah, and enablers. Yeah, he called them enablers. Because yeah. he's yeah. such an amazing talent that they want to capitalize on that. Right. And they, But they want him to be clean for the role, but then not yeah. interfere. It, it, and then Artie, Artie Lang, who also has some major... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you have any relationship with Artie. Yeah, I know Artie. Yeah, and so it was a it was a really a, a, a very interesting conversation. I listened to that same thing. It was Howard Stern and obviously yeah. Robin Quivers, and Chris Rock and Artie all talking about your brother. But it was beyond just your brother. Right. It was people struggling, and they were directing yeah. it towards Artie. Correct. Yeah, and they were directing. They were it trying to find Artie. a solution of what to do with these amazingly talented people. Right. Who are struggling with addiction. Yeah. So, I mean, this is right in your wheelhouse. I would say definitely you'd have to put them in, depending on how severe. You know, it can be, it can get to be very severe, which it got to be with Chris. And I think the only solution when it gets that way, mm -hmm. lock them in a room and, and, and they don't get out for a while. You like see, for a while. What's yeah. a while? Define uh, a while. A year. Yeah. Possibly more. Huh. Possibly more. When it gets to be that acute. Yeah. And for sure. You've seen the movie Walk the Line? You've seen the movie Walk the yeah. Line? You remember that one scene? Have you seen Walk the Line? The story of Johnny yeah, Cash? Yeah, Johnny Cash. Okay, of course. you know, Walking Phoenix, right? There's this one scene where uh, 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 June Carter, who is played by yeah. Reese, Reese Witherspoon, Witherspoon which she crushed it by. What yeah. a movie. I mean, that's a yeah. movie I watch with my kids, my boys, yeah. mm -hmm. to teach them a lesson. But the one scene where he's in the bed, and the guy that was selling him the stuff comes from the site, and you see the father-in-law come out with the shotgun yeah. saying, hey, get the you know, uh -huh. hell out of here. Yeah. And you see the struggle of Joaquin going through the withdrawal. Oh, my hmm. God. Uh, and I saw my buddy go through it. We took him to uh, Tarzana Rehabilitation Center. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Tarzana Rehabilitation Center. Mm -hmm. It's closer to Woodland Hills. We took him there. It was like 400 bucks a day, and they had to be there for 14 days. And afterwards, he was good for two weeks. And his challenge was Vicodin. Yeah. He couldn't drop the Vicodin. He'd take yeah. 50. He'd take 50 yeah, in a yeah. day. And oh in boy. a day? Oh in a boy. day. In a day. Yeah, and they'll do anything yeah. to get it. Oh, I mean, they'll break it to somebody's I house remember, and take it I remember yeah. me and a friend were at uh, the place right across the street from Conrad's. I don't know what it was called. Shakey's. Shakey's or Shaker's, yeah. whatever it's called, yeah. in Glendale, off a of brand. Uh, or central. So we go there and I'm sitting with him. We came after a Bible study. I was trying to introduce him to a pastor to kind of see what direction we can do to heal this guy. Yeah. And he says, Oh, I forgot my jacket. I'm going to go get it from my Mustang. Yeah. And I told Armon, I said, Armon, I'm going to walk out. I don't think he's getting his jacket. So I walk out right behind him. He doesn't see me. Mm -hmm. I walk to the back and he opens the trunk. He still doesn't see me because I'm hiding behind an SUV. I want to know what this guy's doing. He opens it up. I come right next to him. He he opens the, the, the bottle, he mm. drops, he's about to go like this, I hold his arm, I take the pills, ah. I take the whole thing, I put it in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I've never in my life seen a man plead for anything the way he was pleading in that moment. Damn. Yeah. I've never seen yeah. him plead for it, and I'm watching him, and I'm, I'm seeing the pain this guy's going through, and I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not, you're not going to get it from me. Yeah. He says, Pat, my body hurts. I'm telling you, you just give me five. I'm like, I'm yeah. not giving it to you, bro. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, Armand comes out. He's crying for two hours. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't give it to him that night. I took it. I walked out, and I went and found out who was selling it to him. 
So I went and had a conversation with the guy that was selling. It wasn't a conversation, but we, we had a situation with that guy. And a dentist was selling these Vicodins to him because it was oh like a boy. way of, yeah, it was a dentist because he was making <clears throat> yeah. five, ten bucks a pill, whatever it was. Jeez. And there was so much connection. But, okay, we can get rid of the dentist. There's going to be another doctor that's going to prescribe sure. illegally. We can get rid of the guy that was selling it to him and do whatever we want to him and eliminate him. There's going to be another guy that's going to eventually, yeah. as much as the survivor has the pain of what else could I have done, I think eventually it goes back to the individual. The individual, yeah. it, the individual has to be willing to go through it, and as much support and change you put, yeah, man. But it has to, you have to get them off. There's there's steps. You have to get them off, like you know, initially, you know, like which is you know tough, the withdrawals and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Then there just has to be, and I'm going to say it: you have to turn to God. You have to make that part of it, because I think the human being can only go so far. In, in, in with anything that goes with anything when you're struggling with anything you we can only go so far and if we don't reach out we just no it's not going to work we're meant for that mm-hmm. i believe you know you know it's and crazy so you I, say that you know we, it's crazy you say that we're at bible study one night in pasadena uh pasmas i don't know what the past church was called and i want to finish hear your thoughts and he's sitting there uh, saying when we're talking, he's praying. We're, the pastor's praying over him for 30 minutes and he's fully in tears. This is a tough guy. This is the first guy in Wilson Junior High School I got into a fight. He's the first guy that ever punched me in the face. Like he's not like a lightweight. We would fight, him and I, all the time. And we were best of buddies, right? And he had a challenge of trying to please his dad. Yeah. So you know the whole thing about pleasing? He, he's no. like, I don't think I'm ever going to please him. And it was a list of people that he was going through. And no matter how much we try to get him to go through that phase, always coming back and feeling guilty yeah. like he can't please folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, but was was Chris going through to God uh, side? Was he going to church? Was he going through? You know, we're Catholic, you know, and I think that he had, you know, the. I think there's a thing where he would go to church and he would he believed in Christ and he believed in that kind of thing. So, but there is there's an extra step where he just. I, it, 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 for each person, I mean, there's 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 a, there's a thing you can kind of like give it lip service and that kind of thing. Like I go to church, and I don't know what's going on, but to really get in, to really to really give yourself to that is a different level. There's a different level there where you have to like really let a lot stu- of stuff go, mm-hmm. and that means ninety percent of yeah. you know show business and all that other stuff. That's you tough. have to let a lot of stuff yeah. go. You know, and and just live and just be sure. and understand that, you know, none of this really matters. You know, there's you a, know? there's one other dynamic there, too. You know, Chris was what, in his early 30s, right? Mid 30s when it happened. 33. You know, guys at that age oftentimes are married, right? Or they have a girlfriend. You never think about it with Chris Farley. So he probably was on his own a lot at home, traveling New York to Chicago. And sometimes if you have a strong female, a wife, you know, a girlfriend, they yeah. can be there to monitor it and maybe, yeah. you know, be there and maybe keep them from, you yeah. know, some of these bad habits yeah. and whatnot. But he yeah. was living alone, right, when in Chicago? Yeah, and that's yeah. another thing I yeah. would I would say to anybody that's uh, having trouble with drugs, get get find a girl that can that's good for you, not not somebody that's going to be bad for you. But that's tricky with, with men anyway, to find the right woman that can really kind of be there for you and marry her yeah. and be faithful to her. And, and that'll get you through a lot, too. Yeah, you know, definitely. Do you know what's crazy about what you just said? So you're, 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 
the age 33, right? You know who died at the age of 33? Christ, yeah. Christ, mm-hmm. Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. John Belushi, Nipsey yeah. Hussle. Yeah. The list, it's a very interesting, mm-hmm. that 33 Wrist is a very... definitely wasn't Christ. He might have been Belushi, but he wasn't. He might have been Belushi. All these stories, uh, what's been your experience with drugs, partying, alcohol? I, you know, listen, we're Irish Cali. I mean, I have my struggles too, you know. Yeah. And so I go, I do uh, go to program and that kind of thing. I've, I, I'm off of it, all of it now, you know. But yeah, but to me, it's, it's, it's definitely therapy and 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 god you know and i'm catholic and i go back to my faith and i i try to uh try to to um make it a part of my life not just like something that i talk about you know i try to make it part of my life it doesn't always uh you know i'm a a still flawed person but i Mm -hmm. but i have to make that part of my life or otherwise uh it doesn't work for me well when you when you see i mean obviously we're approaching this endemic phase of what's been going on with covid but part of the um fallout of everybody being trapped in their house for the last couple of years is a lot of people are utilizing drugs and alcohol more than mm-hmm. ever. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of overdoses. Yeah. So being that this is more pervasive than ever because of the pandemic, does it get you angrier than ever? Do you want to speak out more about it? Is it closer to home when you hear these stories? What's your thoughts on just everything? That's I, I think in general, I think there's this uh, walking away from God. I think the whole country and the world is we're walking away and we're in a dangerous spot. You know, I think that you can't do that when when the society goes away from God. Then <laughs> we're seeing it. I mean, we're seeing it. You know, we, we go into materialism. I mean, I think we're you know, in my Catholic faith, we're fallen individuals from the start. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go, we're going to, we're prone to materialism, wealth, greed, all that kind of stuff, gluttony, all that kind of stuff, whatever the seven, seven deadly sin, whatever, whichever one you have, mm-hmm. which we all have, you're going to gravitate towards that. That's just human nature. So that's what we're seeing. I think, I think that's what we're seeing. We're just seeing a bunch, you know, when we, we don't need God, well, we're going to go somewhere else. Uh, you 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 also have pretty strong opinions politically. I mean, I you'll you'll say Sometimes. some stuff at times, and <laughs> I don't you, like to get canceled or anything. Yeah, like, no, not getting canceled, but you'll say you'll say what's on your mind. You don't I hold try back. To, yeah. you know, I try. <clears throat> it's a very confusing time, but I uh, I try to. You know, I see it now, and I'm I look and I'm like, I think yeah, we all have to speak up. But we do talk a lot about politics in this country, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. I think there is other things than politics. And my act, I don't go too far into it just because there's so much politics everywhere you go. So I try to get a little more slice of life stuff, you know, you know, you know what I do like, you know what I do like with, uh, what's, uh, uh, so, so every once in like during COVID, like all the hospitalization, new heroes were risen, right? We were kind of looking at people and saying, look, I don't know how you view COVID. You got to respect these nurses that work oh, yeah. double shifts and mm-hmm. whole, so all of a sudden, nurses became heroes mm-hmm. right yeah. you saw all these videos of nurses coming home and they can't see their kid and that one where the guy puts a glass window he's trying to hug his kid and the kid is like hug me and i don't know if you've seen that clip it was very emotional like okay i wonder how it, yeah. it is to be a nurse today but i think what the last few years have done and maybe this it's been like this you know forever but i think comedians have become very important mm-hmm. i think comedians have become very important where a Bill Maher, who's a comedian, 
is making everybody on both sides of the aisle say, what the hell are you doing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then you're watching Rogan, right. who's a comedian, is addressing every issue that's on um, out there from a standpoint of, I don't know, I'm trying to learn myself, but now I know, and here's what I found out, and maybe this and maybe that. But look, I'm a comedian, right? And you see Ricky the role John Stewart played, John Stewart. and Ricky Gervais, Chappelle. and Ricky Gervais, and Chappelle, especially Chappelle, with some of the topics he touches, the trans like, stuff, oh my God, the trans stuff. Too bad Will Smith didn't yeah. get that memo, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you see some of yeah. this stuff that's going on, and then you see what happened with Will and uh, you know with uh, Chris Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Right. What are your thoughts when you saw that? What was your initial reaction? Right. I mean, I think what's <clears throat> what we saw was everybody retreated to their homes, and then we went online, and you can manipulate that online. We saw that with Twitter, but in a stand-up show, hey, just a crowd of people in my in the microphone. I mean, who's going to stop that? You know, words do have a lot of power. Words, the words coming out of my mouth have a lot of power. That's what a comedians realize. Like, I'm just speaking words. Well, <laughs> words have a lot of power. So when you have just a, a basic thing of me talking to you, and you're not going to, you're not going to censor this. You know, you're not going to censor that. So stand up becomes really powerful because like, well, I can talk to this crowd here. You know, and I think when a, when a comedian you know, we're just used to having that kind of power. And like, you know, we're not used to being censored. Mm -hmm. Every comedian does not like that. We just, oh, that's, that just grates on us, you know, because that's our whole thing. We need to say our words. Right. You know, and so, yeah. That, that is your toolbox. Words that are coming out of your mouth. Words that are coming out of your yes. mouth. Exactly. The ability to say whatever words I want to say. Mm -hmm. So, um yeah, when when obviously as a comedian to see somebody come up on stage is terrifying to me. I mean, I've had a bottle thrown at me out of the blue, but that was terrifying enough. But uh, yeah, it's, it, there's it, there's like a, for every comedian that's ever had that, that's a frightening thing. Especially yeah. Will Smith, he's gigantic, coming at you like. Uh, I could see Chris's face. He's like, what's happening? He didn't move. He just no. stood there like almost no. face forward. Like, what no. is happening right now? No, it's in surreal. I mean, surreal situation. You know, I mean, everybody's talking about it. He did like, as the guy on SNL said the other day, he's like, it feels like we've been talking about it for five years. Mm -hmm. I know, right? well, did you, did you hear what months. Ricky? Yeah. yeah. So, so here's what Ricky Gervais said. I, I don't know if it was on The View a couple of days ago, yeah, what the, the timeline yes. was. And he said the following. He said, I would have, uh, I'll just read the whole thing to you. So. He says, "I'll get, I'll get out of the way. I have not, uh, I, I've gotten out no uh, Will Smith material. I've trended, I trended when that uh, trended when that happened, and I was not even here. Uh, what has it got to do with me? People were going, what they have, da, da, da. anyways. And then he finally says, uh, "Well, nothing. As I would not have made a joke about his wife's hair, yeah. I would have made a joke about her boyfriend." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is what she said, you know, what Ricky said. So, yeah. and by the way, knowing Ricky, you think Ricky would have done that from stage? Oh, I yeah. actually believe he would have done it. Sure. I think he sure. Look at his Golden Globes yeah. acts. For sure. Yeah, would. and by the way, here's what happened with a couple things. Will Smith's contract gets pulled from Academy, Award Slab, The Daily Caller story. Yeah. Netflix and Sony have stepped away from their projects with Will Smith a week after he slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. Upcoming projects the Smith that Smith expected to complete have now officially halted as a result of the now infamous slap, the Netflix film Fast and Loose, and Sony's highlight, highly anticipated movie Bad Boys 4, wow, Bad Boys 4, have <laughs> both been put on hold. I doubt any big studio or streamer is going to 
take a chance in signing Will Smith until Smith's brand recovers, mm -hmm. until the process is underway, media analyst yeah. Jeff Box said. You think these are the right moves they're to, making? I do, for definitely. I, I don't think there's a punishment big enough for Will Smith right now. You know, when I watch what he did, and it wasn't just spontaneous. And here's the other, a couple other things. When he was screaming at him and F-bombing him, did you see the rage in his face? I mean, that was not some little throwaway line. Here's the other thing. Will Smith won the Academy Award, and then he had that whole speech about what he did, right? About how he's going to be the defender of you know people that are abused. What if he hadn't slapped Chris Rock? Was he going to use the same speech? That thing seemed very, very polished, and it would have seemed a strange speech for someone that was playing Serena Williams' dad in a movie, right? So I look, CAA had like some big time meetings, I guess, over the past few days. What are they going to do? One of the founders, uh, Brian Lord, wanted to get rid of him. One of the other founders who represents him personally, you know, fought to to keep him, and they didn't drop him like they did Harvey Weinstein and and anybody else that kind of gets in trouble in Hollywood. So you know, I just the more I watch this, the if you would think of one Hollywood star that would be least likely to do that, isn't that funny? It's Will Smith, or he's one of them. He just doesn't have that reputation, or at least he used to have a reputation as being that nice guy, that non-confrontational guy. Apparently, we don't know him as well, but he deserves to suffer some sort of career fallout for this. Absolutely. I'm not down for everybody just getting canceled, but usually people are getting canceled for things that you know they didn't have any ill will toward. They didn't do it intentionally. They just had an opinion or a belief, and people you know just decide to cancel them. But to walk on stage and steal everybody else's night, which is what he did, and slap him? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Crazy. I mean, and then Chris Rock, he's just playing it so cool, isn't he? Whoever gets that first interview with Chris Rock, that oh, is going to be unbelievable. By the way, he already did his first stand-up, and he says, if you think I'm going to have any Will Smith material, prepare to have nothing yeah, prepared for He's still it. thinking about when it. Yeah. No, he's going to sell it for $6,200 oh, yeah. million dollars to Netflix. Well, well I got to tell you, yeah. I, I uh, respectfully disagree with our friend Tom Zenner here. This is just another example. Like, what did he really do? He slapped another grown man in the face. Oh, give me a break. I know, I know that you slap a lot of men, Tom. Time what did he really go do move? at the Oscars? I don't Walk know. Walk up well, on stage and slap another man in front of millions of people? All right. Hear me out here, guy. Number one, before... Uh, by the, the way, Tom, we miss you. Yeah, we miss <laughs> you. <laughs> but, Good to be back. Before <laughs> this, you know monstrosity of slapping someone did anyone give two shits about the oscars the oscars yeah. should be thanking will smith number one and so should <laughs> and so should chris rock chris rock was career number one i was a huge chris rock fan in the mm. 90s but he hasn't really done a okay, lot time out. you're wrong you're wrong tom let me get okay. to the okay. let, 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 we'll get to you. Okay. you you've already been offended by by will smith but this goes to a bigger thing and it goes to the point of cancel culture if we're going to start canceling people because we don't like what they did how far does this go down? They tried to cancel Rogan, okay? They've been trying to cancel Chappelle. We're talking about canceling comedians and canceling entertainers. They tried to cancel Bill Maher. People on the left start trying to cancel Bill Maher, even though he's been an advocate. First thing that you said, Kevin, was, hey, we're going to talk politics. Well, I don't want to get canceled. Where the fuck are we at as a society yeah. that you have to we're actually afraid. worry about getting canceled? For having opinions. We're afraid. That's sort of the beauty of PBD Podcast, what we're doing value tainment is unless yeah. you're saying things that are completely extreme, complete yeah. misinformation, yeah. complete hate speech, 
say what the hell you want to say and let the market determine what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. But it's usually the people that are trying to cancel people are fringe people who get all worked up in a frenzy and then try to cancel people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to good one. Chris Farley right there. That's a good one. But even you, bro, you've been in Hollywood. I mean, you you experienced this. Why is yeah. cancel culture so pervasive right but here, now? But Kevin, before Powerful. you jump in on that, weren't you starting by defending Will Smith? I mean, that's completely no, different than some trolls on Twitter. I'm not defending Will Smith. What I'm, I'm, my, my whole thing is cancel culture here. If people don't want to go see Will Smith's movie, don't see his fucking movie. But yeah. don't say that Will Smith can't work anymore. I mean, what are we talking about here? No time out. He assaulted well, someone on stage. I, I, there I, I don't think be. anyone cares about that. I think. I mean, but if, you're equating if Chris, some Twitter, tw- if uh, Chris Twitter trolls with slapping a guy. That's if Chris, two like, different things. Chris Rock didn't press charges. It sounds like you want to press charges because you almost got slapped. Not at all. I don't so, think I have like a, a exactly. one in a million opinion here. I Point think. is, I want to get your thoughts on cancel culture. Well, yeah, I think cancel culture is this giant brush. I mean, we can be nuanced about this. You know, I mean, uh, we, you know, I think it's like, well, yeah, Will Smith can never work again. All right. Can we, is there a, is there a nuanced approach right. to this? Can we, maybe he shouldn't go to the, he's already canceled from the, from the Academy and he's already, uh, you know, done his own. He's already mm-hmm. thrown himself on the sword in that kind of thing. But what is the Oscars going to do now? I think the Oscars will probably, you know, give him some kind of a punishment. I don't think mm-hmm. that there, he's not going to get off without, uh, a punishment from them, but um, I think once once uh, once all the punishment is dealt out to him, they'll probably he'll probably work again. You know, I would imagine. I suppose. I, and we're talking about level. one of the greatest well, performers of all time. Maybe not working again. Because yeah. he slaps someone. Yeah, but time out. No wow. one's saying that. He shouldn't work again. I'm saying there should be some repercussions for walking on stage yeah. and slapping a man as at a, the Academy Awards. As a right, stand-up. Right, but he owns his own I'm production like, company. He'll I'm, do whatever he wants. As a stand-up, I, that's so egregious because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's something that we all fear as we're on stage. Somebody coming up either with a gun or something like that. Well, that's what, what happens is, is that, you know, when, if you've ever been on stage, you're blinded by the lights. Yep. You do, the audience is kind of this mob out Correct. in front of you. So you have this real visceral fear of like something, somebody coming out of the dark, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, how dare you say that, that kind of thing. So uh, as a stand up, I hope that he, because <laughs> I, I don't want this, like, oh, Will Smith got away with it and then I'm going to do it at Farley's show. I don't want that to happen. So I hope that something's deterrent there. Like, you know, you can't come out of the stadium. You can't come out of the stands. You can't do that, you know. So one time, one time uh, uh, they're doing the red carpet walk, whatever it is, a guy comes and talks to, I don't know if you've seen this, comes and talks to Will Smith and tries to kiss Will mm-hmm. and Will slapped him in the face. Yeah. yeah. Nobody reacted to it. Well, listen, a guy tries to kiss you in the face. You don't like that. You slap him. Everybody right. says, okay, cool. No problem. We move on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the part, like, Think about it from this standpoint. Chris, as a performer, you're a basketball player. If you're a basketball player and somebody walks into the floor and does anything to you, you're not a player. Meaning, Will is not the player in that situation. Mm -hmm. Will is part of the audience in that situation. It doesn't matter. Like, Let's just say President Obama goes to a game or Trump goes to a game. Or you go to a UFC fight. Yes, you're a powerful person. But if you step in the octagon and slap someone in the face, dude, you can't do that. 
That's basic protocol. The same way as Connor cannot step out and when Khabib stepped out and started chasing other people and fighting guys, you can't do mm-hmm. that. There's certain yeah. protocols that there's accountability. The question isn't that. The question is, okay, he's going to keep his, uh, what do you call it? He's going to keep his Oscar. Fine. He resigned. He can't vote anymore. Whatever the, the, the um, re, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Whatever things that he loses, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So go and see other people who have been canceled, and then how long did we get over it? Our conversation last night on the drive to Miami was what? America's a very, we forgive very quickly, except if you deal with kids and if you deal with certain things. So Kevin Spacey, is Kevin going to come back anytime soon and shoot a movie? You think he's going to do something and people are going to let that go? You know, it hasn't happened yet. Right? Okay. It's been a so, couple years. I do, think it will. Be. Do you think America's okay if Kevin did a movie and did watch him? Like House of Cards, next one comes out. Do you think people are going to watch it? I yes. do. I think, okay. I think fans right. of great you, acting. You think, but you think people are over that? You know, is it, you know, did he go to jail for it? Are some people going to say, well, innocent until proven guilty? No one's, uh, you know, he's been accused, but he's not gone to court mm-hmm. yet. So how long will it take? The real question is how long before people forgive him to come back and perform? I think it depends on how much talent you have a lot of times, too. Will's right? got a lot of talent. Yeah, he does. And Kevin may be one of the best actors Without a doubt. that we have. You know, how about Ron Artest, right? Isn't this kind of a similar situation where they're throwing beer at him and they go into the stands? He, he at least was punished for a little while. He couldn't play in the NBA. That's all I'm saying about Will Smith. We don't have to cancel him. But hopefully he can learn from this, and there are there's some sort of punishment that comes from this. By the way, why does Chris Farley decide, or I mean Chris Rock decide, if presses or if charges are going to be pressed? Isn't that usually? I know this yeah. happens a lot, but you would think the police see a crime in their mind being committed, they just arrest somebody. It seems strange when you have to go to the yeah. victim and say, "Do you want to press charges?" Also. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it should be the cops probably do that. I mean, that's what happens in domestic batteries. I think that no matter if the wife sometimes says, no, don't don't touch him, I think the cops still uh, arrest the guy. But I think that um, also this has to do with these sexual crimes. You know, like if you look at the three guys that are um, banned from the Oscars, Harvey Weinstein and... uh, Roman Polanski, and then um, who's the third guy? I don't know. Well, there's a guy needs to Giffen, but he's not yet. Right, he's but they're all still, sexual yeah. crimes. Yeah, I exactly. think so. Well, that's that's something to do. I don't think we forgive the sexual stuff. I don't think we do. No, I don't think Harvey's ever going to be forgiven. That's no, why I'm saying Kevin is mm-hmm. in the middle of maybe never being forgiven. Think, Some people mm-hmm. would say never, but will mm-hmm. what he did? You know. How long? Six months? Yeah. 12 months? I think, yeah. by, the summer, I think by the summer, we'll be fine. By the way, speaking yeah. of sexual crimes, you see who's getting a lot of heat right now is Jim Carrey. Have you seen what happened with him? On CBS? When he no, well, he came out and he basically was like, if I was Chris Rock, $200 million lawsuit. I would file this yeah. ridiculous lawsuit and, and basically defending Chris Rock, defending comedy. And someone goes, oh, you know the beautiful thing about the internet, Jim Carrey? Uh, the shit doesn't go away. So fast forward or reverse to a clip yeah. of him when, I mean... After your brother passed away, arguably, Jim Carrey took the mantle of the most outlandish, over-the-top comedian. I mean, fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, he yeah. wins the award. I think it was Comedian of the Year, whatever it was, MTV Award. Yeah. And the presenter of the award was none other than Clueless star Alicia Silverstone. Oh, yeah. Um, Silverstein. 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 Yeah, Silverstein. Silverstein. Um, he wins the award, and please give it up for Jim Carrey. comes on stage. Grabs her, two hands on the face, boom, lays a hmm. huge kiss right on her face and yeah. holds, right? Yeah. yeah. Good five-second kiss. Right. She's shocked. Yeah. The whole crowd is in an uproar. Keep in mind, he is the performer of performers of that time. This is probably yeah. 2000-ish. I don't know yeah. if you want to pull this up. 
But now basically, you know, people are like, oh, Jim Carrey, you have an opinion? Well, let's research, roll the clip. Oh, Boom. I didn't and know And now he's kind of catching backlash. Can't play. So it's almost yeah, like you can show if you speak out and have an opinion, they're going to oh, yeah, they're going to double back to something you wow. did 20 years ago. Sure. And they're going to try to cancel you now, Jim Carrey. So it's a very thin line oh, that you have is. to balance right it now. It is. Yeah, it is. What does that tell you, though? What does that tell you? I don't. I mean, it's that 20. tells you, you know, before you're gonna judge, just kick back a little bit, and you know, uh, uh, if you've walked on water, go ahead and judge all you want. Correct. If you haven't, you know. So I, I again, I think America is very forgiving. I think America moves on from certain things. Mm -hmm. This being one certain of them, it's just things. a matter of how long. I don't know if it's gonna be a six month, twelve month, twenty four months. Bill Maher said the following. Bill Maher said. Uh, criticizing for telling Jada Pinkett Smith to put a wig on it, right, after the Oscar slap. Man. He says, uh, I mean, alopecia, it's not leukemia, okay? Alopecia is when your hair falls out. There are worse things. He returned to the subject later in the show, stating, if you are so lucky in life as to have uh, that be your medical problem, just say, thank God. It's not life-threatening. It's part of, for most people, 80% of men, 50% of women. It's part of aging, uh, Mark continued. Aging is, trust me, I know, it's the degeneration of the flesh. It happens to all of us. And, you know, just put an effing wig on like everybody else at the Oscars if it bothers you so much. The TV host has been heavily criticized for his comments, which have uh, branded hateful. Okay, what yeah. Bill Maher says. You, he knew he was going to get heat, heat when he wrote the lines. When he knew he yeah. was going to say those, those are just yeah. going to attract heat. But he doesn't care, I don't think. No, he doesn't care. I think this, this speaks to a lot of... Uh, you know, when they they made a they have an open marriage, I guess, you know, and so they made a joke earlier in this in the in the show about, uh, you know, um, them having an open marriage and that kind of thing. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's it's one of those things where and she went on, you know, I think they're under a lot of stress that they seem to be under you know, Jill, uh, Jada and, and Will. It seemed, and I, I hope maybe he gets some help. I think he is getting some help, isn't he, or anything? Or I don't know if he is. Or well, They said it's healing season is mm -hmm. what Jada put out. It's healing season, which I don't know what Pat healing season they is. they should but, get a divorce. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced they should get a divorce. Yeah. I, I'm convinced. Yeah. Don't be surprised if in the next 6, 12, 24 months you get a tweet or an Instagram post from both of them saying, we have decided to go our own separate ways after being mm -hmm. together for 25 years. Maybe. We love each other, pa 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 pa. And but here's what we're doing. This is the love of my life. But you know, if, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've whatever. You'll see sure. something like a Bezos well, script coming sense. out. Kevin, let me yeah. ask you while we're on this topic. And Tom lives in L.A. So and Pat's from there. So he probably has a strong opinion. You moved out of L.A. five years ago. Yeah, but I mean, you're Farley. You're Farley. You've got inroads with Hollywood. You know all the Hollywood stars. Yeah, you know, we're talking sort about the Oscars, <laughs> the night of the year for Hollywood. I guess, what's your take on the wokeness in Hollywood? I don't want you to get canceled here, Kevin. <laughs> but what's your take on just no. what's happening and, and how left they've gone and how you yeah. can't have to worry about what you're saying? And I mean, you got the hell out of there, not for political mm -hmm. reasons. I don't know, but just your take on Hollywood these I days. I know that I wasn't, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not crushing in Hollywood. I don't have anything going on. You're not competing there. with Brad Pitt for the role <laughs> no, of Troy no, anymore. No. All right. I'll get my, you know, my Hawaii five O's every once in a while, or, you know, I'll do an episode, you know, curb. once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Curb, you know, those guys were great, you know? Um, but no, I'm not, you know, so I decided let's do some stand up. I focus on my stand up, and mm -hmm. let's, you know, I get the role whenever I can get the role. Cause yeah, it got to be weird 
with a lot of their politics in, in Hollywood. You know, it just got to be a little scary, mm-hmm. you know, with this cancel thing going on. If you if in and, and it's such a like if you think even a little differently, you know, then you're you're not in the club. And it is a club. I mean, Hollywood is very much of a mm-hmm. country club. And who's and running think, the club? Is it the is it the billionaires? Is it the yeah, studios? Is the it the studios, producers? The rich is it, people, the studios, the people with all the money, you know, and it's the, falling apart though. The money and the control, and it is a club that you are either in or you're not. Yeah. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. a country club. I mean, we don't want this guy in. I mean, do we want this guy in? We don't want this guy in. And it's kind of behavior. It's like high school. It's it's very much gossipy. There's a lot of gossip. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Gossip is so corrosive. You know, I don't like to, even when I feel like gossiping, I don't like to gossip about things. And that's a, the whole town is a gossip mill, you know. And so that's a corrosive thing on your mm-hmm. soul. So that's why people go, oh, God, this town is so gross, you yeah. know, because everybody's just talking about it. Everybody. What's else. your take on that, Zenner? You live there. Yeah, Hollywood, Pat, you made a little comment there, but Hollywood just feels different. L.A. feels different. It's not as glamorous. I think the glamour's gone. I mean, that's the sad thing for me. You drive down Sunset Boulevard or you drive through Beverly Hills, it's still great. Believe me, it's not that bad. I mean, and now that the pandemic is pretty much over, restaurants are full. There is a buzz. There's an energy. But if everybody remembers kind of that first time they go to California and how they feel, the ocean's still beautiful. There's yeah. still a lot of great places to go, but just that that spirit in the air just doesn't feel um, as great. And to me, the glamour part of it, it seems yeah. like Hollywood is okay not being glamorous anymore, and I don't know yeah. why. And I miss that, and I think the rest of the world, the rest of America, looks for Hollywood for that. It's a release. And they're so obsessed about bringing up all these things that people already have to deal with in their life and they're getting bombarded with it every single way they turn. And Hollywood should be something else, a diversion. And they've gotten away from that. And it's unfortunate. Plus, the whole business is changing. Streamers are taking over. We saw that Mm -hmm. during the Oscars. Now, that's good because there's so many more places to make content. And if you've got product and if you have something you want to pitch, you've got 15 to 100 places you can take it. If you're an actor, you can stay busy. So it's still great. The world needs the content that Hollywood produces, but it's unfortunate. You know, I've just told myself until the whole, until shit hits the fan, I'm totally still good with LA. And we're lucky for where we live, right? So it's a great place to bring up kids, you know, near the water in a very safe community. So we're blessed and we're lucky with that. But, and I, and I love LA. I really do. And I'm involved in it and I'm out in it every single day. And I, I, part of me sad because I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. I'm from the Midwest too. Kevin, and I wanted to get to California. I wanted to get to L.A. And Pat, Mm. I'm sure you, growing up in Iran, there was this magical thing about Hollywood. I'm working on a new project right now. I'll be able to share some stuff later in a couple months with someone, a very, very high-profile person who also grew up in Iran and came to America and made a big name for himself. But it was all because of Hollywood. He wanted to get there. Beverly Hills, California, and Hollywood. So I am an eternal optimist. I always assume the best is going to come and I'm never going to let it bring me down. Yeah. I'm just a little bit sad that it wasn't what it was 25 years ago. You know ago. what wins? You know what wins? You know what I trust? Let me tell you what I trust. I trust capitalism. Yeah. Let me explain to you what I mean by I trust capitalism. Here's how I trust capitalism. Um, 
People call out Dana White. Well, you know, let me tell you, UFC, this, 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 is that. What does Dana White say? Why don't you go compete? Go do it. Start <laughs> your own UFC. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody holds you back. Yeah. I, mean, I don't like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. He's wrong. Bro, go start your own podcast right. and you share your thoughts. Right. I don't like the fact that you talk about capitalism. Dude, why don't you go start your own show and you talk about anti-capitalism and see if there's an argument. I don't yeah. like the fact that this. So watch what happened. Elon Musk buys 9.2%. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, it's just a passive, passive, passive position, right? And I said it's not passive. A guy like that's never going to do passive. You know what news just came out an hour ago? Elon Musk joins (laughs) Twitter's board of directors, teases significant improvements. Did you see what Elon tweeted yesterday? Did you see what Elon tweeted yesterday? Go to Elon's tweet yesterday. Yeah, the poll. Mm -hmm. Go to Elon's tweet yesterday and look what Elon tweeted. This, this is why you trust capitalism and mm-hmm. those who work in government don't like capitalists. Right. Because capitalists know how to fight. Okay, so watch this. Look, Click on that. Do you want an edit button on Twitter? You know what an ed- edit button is? Sure. You know how you got it on Instagram? You got it on Facebook? You got it everywhere? Yeah. You see what he, he did on the poll, by the way? He, what's that? You see how he spelled yes? Ah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, he puts, do you, uh, uh, do you want an edit button? What does this mean to you? He's already yeah. insinuating yeah. we're going to improve Twitter. What does that sure. edit button mean to you? Use Twitter a lot. No, but who cares? The whole the whole premise behind it is I'm here to improve and change things with Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That's all he's saying. Yeah. So in Hollywood, go to Hollywood. So, you know, people are like part of the, oh, you cannot be on the inside and all this stuff. Well, this happened in high school. The guys that were the football cool guys that you can't be on the inside. Fast forward 10 years later, the guy that you didn't allow to get into the inside is now running a company called Facebook. Uh, and who are you now? <laughs> you're, you're still a waiter at that one place? Well, Zuck won, just so you know. So capitalism wins whoever's willing to improve and take things. And the moment you – this is the biggest thing about capitalism that sucks. So uh, I was watching – uh, Batman this weekend. My my kids are into this whole Batman thing. I watched the last Batman, couldn't stand it, but the kids started wanting to watch Batman Begins, and I said, okay, fine. So we're on the third Batman, which is a, a, the Dark Knight Rises, you know, that whole Dark Knight Rises, yeah. and there's a scene, which is incredible. The scene is when he's in the cave. You know the cave when he's trying to come out? I don't know if you... Can you pull up Dark Knight Rises, put the cave, and he's talking to this blind man? Have you seen when he's talking to this blind man? This scene, folks, this scene is a... Dark night rises. It's going to give you the chills here. Mm. So a uh, 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 blind man. I'm going to read to you what he says, okay? So he's in there. He's trying to climb out of this cliff, this, uh, what do you call it, this cave. He can't get out, okay? Every time he tries to get out, he can't get out. He comes up, he jumps up, he falls down. He comes up, he jumps up, he falls down, right? This whole thing. Then one of the guys... When he falls down, one of the men says, why do you keep trying? You're not going to make it. He says, what do you mean I'm not going to make it? He says, you're not going to make it. He says, but the child made it. He says, yeah, but you're not the child. He says, why not? He says, because the child didn't live a life of luxuries. You did. The child didn't grow up with everything. You did. The child had nothing to lose. You did. And he goes and he says, but I'm going to make it. So he comes up starting doing abs and push-ups and all this stuff. He goes again. There's a jump you got to make. He doesn't make it. He falls down. Then he drops and he sees this blind man. Type in blind man that he's talking to. This blind man. Put blind man. Yeah. So then he sees this blind man. That Click on that right there. The one at the top. No, no. Top left. Top left. Top left. You had it. Top left. Right there. Go. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, right there. But not, yeah, put that scene right there. So he's talking to this man. And look what the man says. Here's a script. I'll read it to you. He says to him, he says, uh, you do not fear death. You think this makes you strong, but it makes you weak. He says, what do you mean? He says, how can you move faster than possible, fight longer than possible without the most powerful impulse of the spirit, the fear of death? You don't fear death. Because you know when you're like, I don't fear death, I don't fear anything. Bruce Wayne says, I do fear death. I fear dying in here while my city burns and there's no one to save it. Then the blind man says, then make the climb. He says, how? He says, as the child did, without the rope. Then fear will find you again. And he makes this climb and he jumps. He says, I'm not using the rope. He jumps, he makes it, he goes all the way out, then throws a rope in, all the people that are in prison come out. What's the moral of the story? The people in Hollywood have had a rope. They've lived a life of luxuries. And there's always going to be the entrepreneur that has nothing to lose, the guy that's sitting there saying, I don't have the luxury of a rope. I don't have the luxury of a Giffen or this producer or that guy that's got my back. I'm going to figure this thing out. And then what do you produce? You produce a Netflix. Then when you produce a Netflix, who Blockbuster didn't want to buy for $50 million, what does Netflix do? Net, every big Hollywood producer goes to sleep fearing Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all of these guys. The game in Hollywood has completely changed. A guy like me can say, Kevin, why don't we make a movie? How much of a budget do we need? He says $2 million. We make a movie. We go out and put it out there independently, not needing these big guys, and that thing can do $200 million. That's right. Elon Musk can mm-hmm. go buy a Twitter and say, ah, I'm sorry, guys. You guys are bullying and silencing and censorship. No problem. I'm going to buy your company. That's why you got to trust capitalism. And that's why I think Hollywood's not in the yeah. same place because they can't play those power plays they once could play mm-hmm. due to capitalism. That's true. And that is always going to be true. I mean, if you look at like Atlanta started the studios of Atlanta, Vancouver and all these places, you know, if you open up the tax base, you can get a lot of studios and, and make a Hollywood in Atlanta. You know, this is capitalism. This is why this country is the best country on the planet, because we allow that stuff. And, yeah, Twitter obviously is going to change overnight by a guy who's a billionaire, and he wants to change it. Okay, well, he's going to change it. And uh, that's what happens, and that is the beauty of being in this country. And, And obviously the trajectory of all companies, they get fat, and people get fat, and... And they start making mistakes. You know, here's, here's a, that's what one thing to watch. Here's, I make this prediction and it's going to happen. Guarantee. Because um, <laughs> you've never okay. been wrong, Tom. Guarantee. But go ahead, buddy. No, but watch the headlines, the headlines on Elon Musk going forward. Everything's going to be negative. They are going to be ripping him in mainstream media. They're going to find flaws in him. I saw one the other day. Here is the headline. Elon Musk wants to kill baby seals or something. Sure, they'll go. I I saw it on Insider. I mean, so now that he's on the inside and he's going to be on the board of directors with Twitter, they're going to go after him personally. You're going to see a a ton of negativity. What do you think? Do you think there's a possibility? You know, he gets comfortable in the board of directors here in the next few months, maybe buys more stock because he's not done, right? He's going to buy more. How does he handle Trump? Is he going to say it's okay for him to come back? That's a good question. That's going to come up at some point, and it's going to be uh, Who makes those decisions, though? Does the board make that decision, Pat? Who's going to end up making that decision? Yeah, I think that, so, so, so that's, that's the part where Dorsey is um, getting a little bit more credit now to say I'm not the one. It's a board that votes these types mm-hmm. of things. So nobody knows where Dorsey's vote was. Some of the people on the inside obviously know. 
And then he finally said, yeah, I also voted for it, that we got to get him out, right? Elon can get in there and say, no, yeah, we may want to ch- change it. But remember, he's only got one seat. He, he's only got one seat. He, he doesn't have the majority. Right. Elon's True. only got one seat. Mm-hmm. So he can get in there and try to persuade and say things, but they can still say no. And gradually what Elon can do is one by one by one by another 3% here, yes. by another yeah. 2% here, by another right. 5% here, by another 8% here, over. and then all of a sudden, yeah. boom. This has happened many, many and, and times. We've seen the one move time. of his five. I mean, he's, yeah. he's five yeah. steps no down question. the road on this thing. Yeah. How does it work with the board? How many members? I don't know. We can find out how many board members It's always are. an odd number. It's always an odd number, yeah. so that, you know, protect the voting. But so here you go. How many yeah. board members do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Keep going. Eight. Nine, uh, 10, 11, a company this size is going to be 11. Okay, yeah, nine or 11. They'll have 11 of them. Okay. And how do you become a board member to our, for a company yeah, like this you're or in general? invited it, to generally. It, no, it depends on what percentage you own. Okay. And if you buy in, part of the arrangement could be that you get onto the board seat. But when you are the largest shareholder now of Twitter, tied mm-hmm. with Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, and your name is Elon Musk. The guys that are in the board right now want you to be also a board member because they don't want you to do anything reckless that's going to hurt. So now we want you in there as well. It's almost like a mutual thing where they want both uh, 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 to be in there. But again, I I highly doubt what Tom just said right there. I think this is one of his next 5, 10, 15 moves. You know, here's the other thing, too, is a lot of these people are going to be opposed to Elon Musk just in general. They're not going to like him maybe politically or, or on some level. But Elon just made everybody on that list a lot of money yesterday. Did yeah. you see the volume of trading? 26%. It was, it, well, th- that's how hot, that's how th- that was the jump in the stock. There was like 212 million you know, shares sold and, and the volume was 212 million as opposed to like 1.5 million on Friday. So if the stock goes up 25%, he made everybody on that board a lot richer. Yeah. So how can you hate him that much? So yeah. he, he's going to have a lot more power once he starts buying more, more stock in what he owns 9.2% right now. And that's just, and it's just Tuesday, right? Oh, and, and, they, and they know, yeah, right. they know uh-huh. one tweet is going to get them. So last night we're having dinner. Okay. One of the guys owns the, uh, one of the four most expensive cards in the world, mm-hmm. right? Remember, the guy owned a Hannes Wagner TT06 yep. SGC5 is what it was. It's a $25 million card, right? The guy who eats at all the best restaurants. Wow. The guy that eats at the best restaurants. Then okay. another guy owned uh, a couple 52 t- uh, tops, Mickey Mantle, which is like a $5 million card. They're selling the $10 million Spider-Man issue number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think it was graded eight and a half, which is pretty insane. There's only two nines in the world. They're selling that for $10 bucks. So when you get into the card community... And you own a card that you also own and you also own. Everybody here wants that card to be valued more, right? So, for example, one card is a Mickey Mantle PSA 10. You know, uh, it's sold for $11 million in 2017, right? You know what they're saying it's valued wow. right now? The cheapest one you can buy right now, they're saying, speculating. Obviously, that's what they're all saying. $30 million if you want to go on that card today. A Mickey Mantle 52 tops, right? $30 million. Wow. So, if others do own shares in Tesla, and you got a guy like Elon that can quadruple the valuation of the company, I think the Morgan Stanleys and these other guys in the world may say, you know what? (laughs) Maybe it's a little bit more than uh, politics. If you're going to increase our... uh Valuation here, Elon. Go at it. We'll let you kind of. You know, since I haven't been here in four months, I got to maximize my time. Um, I'm going to make one more prediction, and I feel very, very strongly about this one. I think Elon Musk is going to segue himself out of 
and joined the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis (laughs) as a free throw coach. No, he's going to he's going to work his way out of Tesla within the next year. Somehow, some way. I think part of this is he's going to have more fun doing it. He's going to be more influential. I think he's going to be very, very active with Twitter. And I just don't think he's having fun with Tesla. And I think he's going to find a way to exit if it's at all possible. If a guy that big and that prominent in a company can find a way out, I think he will be gone from Tesla in a year. I think we need a new show. Tom Zenner doubles as Miss Cleo and we just have all his predictions and we see what comes right, comes wrong. You do love making predictions. Yeah. Whether they're right they're or wrong or wrong opinions. or wrong. No, now, could he be. loves Kevin, his predictions. To come to you, Kevin. So, Kevin, you, you got an interesting dynamic yourself. You... Uh, in 2008 or 2009, I think you were at the uh, RNC convention or something like that. Well, yeah, but, I but mean, then I you got, also golf with Bill Clinton, so it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, I that during that time, I uh, I uh, was friends with David Zucker. I don't know if you know who David Zucker is. He uh, did airplane and is he from Wisconsin? Yes, he's I know Wisconsin. so many people from Wisconsin right. that talk about David Zucker. And David is a huge Packer fan. Yeah. I'm a huge Packer fan. And uh, so David and I became friends and and um, he wanted to do a, a movie about Michael Moore, which is like is this the movie I did called American Carol, which I, I played Michael Moore. And uh, it was a, a spoof about how Michael Moore wanted to take away Fourth of July. And so, <laughs> I mean, it was I mean, I've always wanted to work with David Zucker because I love Airplane and I love uh, of Naked Gun series and all those kind of things. So I was just. Yeah, I would say yes. I said, yeah, I'll work with you for sure. But it was a pretty much of a, you know, I, it had a good cast. It had uh, Dennis Hopper, uh, Kelsey Grammer, um, you know, uh, David Allen Greer, David Allen Greer, and um, uh, Leslie Nielsen, um, mm-hmm. John no, Voight. John, that's maybe that's, where, maybe that's yeah. some of your political inclinations. You, John, you hang around wild. with John Voight long enough, Listen, the next thing was, you know, yeah, I, you end up at the RNC convention. <laughs> that's why. Exactly. I think he wanted us all go to go there. So, <laughs> we, you know, I'm not going to say no to John Voight. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, we're all going to the RNC convention. I'm like, well, I'm going to be kind of labeled as a Republican. He goes, you're going to the RNC yeah. convention. Oh, okay, okay. So I went and just it just paled. I'd never been to a convention before, and so. It was a trip to see. It was it was kind of wild to see that uh, political environment. I'd never been to a convention. I would I would uh, encourage anyone mm-hmm. to go to a, a political convention. It's it's really kind of wild. Have you ever spoken on the floor of Congress or anything like no. that? No, my brother Chris did. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. perfect segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We no. got to show that. I don't know if we could show it. Oh, or when talk he was about uh, that. playing Newt Gingrich. Is oh, that what it was? Yeah, yeah, he was playing Newt Gingrich. Yeah. yeah, he played Newt Gingrich. Yeah, it's on C-SPAN. We can watch it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, C-SPAN is fun. Yeah, I know. I think Newt so. Tell set up the story if you would, Kevin. So he gets invited. That he did it on SNL, and I think he got invited to do that. I think for it might have been something to do with his birthday, or I don't know Newt's birthday or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it not. By the way, Newt's sitting right there. Right yeah. there. It's, it's, no, he liked it. Different yeah. era, man. Yeah, the he house thought it was had a funny. sense of humor back then, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're a little more. It would or never less. happen right now. It wouldn't. People it would wouldn't. walk out. They're offended. Yeah. They would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this couldn't happen right now. No, it couldn't. We're too political. Yeah, we can watch it later. It's, yeah. it's an anyway. eight-minute clip. But, but we're the, too political yeah. now. Back then, yeah. you could, you know, go have dinner with, uh, you know. And did Chris care about side. politics? Was not he, a lot. Not I even mean, the least. My dad was a Republican, so I think that's, you know, but that's all he 
put thought into it. it. He didn't really think too much about it. I think he was more passionate about his comedy than he was about politics or anything well, like that's that. Good. Well, yeah. I can see that because yeah. anything that would, because Chris was so much about pleasing the audience, that's the feeling at least I get, I may be mm -hmm. wrong, that he yeah. looked like he was a guy that was going to give his best and his performance was going to be solid. I can't see him getting too political. Well, do you think no. SNL these days has gotten too political? I mean, everything oh. they're doing with, they did with Trump, and now they get the guy who does Trump, he also does Biden, but... Clearly, SNL has sprinted left. Well, they're I, making fun of Janine Pirro yeah, and I mean, uh, Marsha Blackburn on the regular. I think Lauren Michael. That show has been on the air for I don't know how long. I think it's almost fifty years. Okay, at this so point. just almost. just the fact that it's been on that long yeah. is it is it literally a wonder of the world. Correct. So to survive in in the political, I mean, into in the, on television for that long, you have to do. And Lauren knows this instinctively. Yeah. Lauren Michaels, he knows we have to survive. So he's like, what works? You know, throwing stuff against the wall. Politics works for us. Mm -hmm. Good point. So the ratings are going up. It's capitalism. And the ratings are going up. And so he's going to stick with what's going. You well, know, they've it's always like done politics, chamber, though. Right? If you got a pitch that's working, and if your curveball is working, you're going to keep throwing I think, the curveball. I think your brother played Tip O'Neill, I want to say, at yeah. one point. Yeah, he played a lot of them. He also played yes. a guy named Howell Heflin or something, a, a, some Senator Heflin back in the day. He had a giant chin, and he was like, he was on the the, the Clarence Thomas, uh, and it was it was a hysterical. What are, what are your thoughts on Lauren Michaels in general? Have you had a time to spend with him at all? I've talked to Lauren, yeah, a lot yeah. of different times. He's the king. I mean, he rules it over there. So, yes. uh, you know, he's I kind of like intimidate. He's an intimidating guy. So I, I used to say hello, sir. Nice yeah. to see you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoyed I, the I, quote I, about what uh, he said about your brother, though. Uh, he says because he's got this very distinct like. Uh, not, I don't know. It's just very straightforward voice. He's like he's in a category of people <laughs> that, yeah, he does. that he's worked that are infuriatingly talented. <laughs> right. That's how yeah, he described yeah. your brother. Right. Basically saying that you just have to recognize and um, and dive straight into it. Right. I mean, it got to the point where they would put it. They, if you had a sketch on SNL and it was kind of, you know, reaching the point where you're like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. What uh, this is kind of a dud. Mm -hmm. He would find a way to make that course, sketch good. Right. So, so fall down or something. That's yeah, all it takes. Your yeah, brother, uh -huh. you're saying he had an instinct yeah. where he'd be yeah. like, I, I, can, I know how to make this funny, you know. So, or, he, yeah. So that's where Lauren was like, you know, we had a thousand sketches and Chris would come up with the solution to like all of them. You know, he was a genius that way. But, but. Uh, just find out what what's going to be funny. In Do you sketch. have some favorite sketches that come to mind that Chris did? Oh, geez, I think uh, I always liked. I put some in the uh, in the documentary. Mm -hmm. That one where he's a talent scout or something like that. That to me was just hilarious. Like, no, no, no. He's just big on everything. <laughs> it's just hilarious. I think that was one of my favorite. He was like a talent uh, agent. Mm -hmm. It was really flamboyant. Well, the, agent. The, the most yeah. famous one is the Chippendales one. Well, yeah, that where was him one and Patrick of the biggest, Swayze. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the lunch days. lady. Which which one is that? The lunch lady with Adam. Lunch Sandler. lady with yeah. Adam. Yeah, that was a big. The yeah. Gap store of, wasn't it the Gap store? Him and Spade where they were yeah. folding up the clothes. Lay off yeah. me! I'm starving. Yeah, no, he had like yeah. five of the top. I think they made a list of them. He had like two or three in the top twenty. You know, sketches. He really did well on that show. How did they, Pat started it off with this? But how did he come up with the Matt Foley? Motivational speaker that bit. Was a, that Live was in a, a van down by the river. That was a bit actually written by Bob Odenkirk. In fact, Bob just wrote a book about it. Wow. And he said that uh, back in Second City when we were in Chicago, that's where we all trained, and there was a stage 
thing that Bob wrote, and he was writing it, I think, for himself, but he didn't want to do it, so he gave it to Chris to play the motivational speaker. So they did that first in Chicago at Second City, yeah. And then they brought it up to Saturday Night Live, yeah. Are you following what's going on with Disney? You following, like, the whole going back and forth? I'm going to read this to you guys because there's a new story that came out uh, on the direction these guys want to take it. So Disney shareholders tell CEO to stop wasting money on political uh, crusades, okay? A Disney shareholder is speaking out against the company's involvement in Florida politically politics by actively opposing the Republican-led parental right in education bill championed by Republican Governor DeSantis. Ray Keating, an economist and editor at Disney Business Journal, said when companies dive into politics, it rarely turns out uh, uh, well. Here's a suggestion for Disney stock, Bob uh, Shapik. Uh, get back to business that is excellence and storytelling and stop wasting shareholders' money on political crusades that have nothing to do with Disney's business. We all have the right to have our voices heard on issues, but not on the shareholders' dime, Keating said. Interesting. Yeah, very Pretty interesting. Pretty powerful statement. What do you think about what the Keating said? You know, you're, you're used to uh, strength coming from Disney for, what, so long? You know, uh, what, 40-some years? Yeah. They, had, they had two CEOs, right, In, including one of the greatest, that just Bob Iger, who just retired. I think Shapek is coming across as very weak in this whole situation. When you want to come across as strong, he's only been in there for a little bit over a year. You know, it always befuddles me because why a company would want to be so politically active, I just don't get it. I keep saying to myself, there are other people who have different political beliefs that like to go to Disneyland and like to go to Disney World. And what happens when they do start boycotting or not downloading the app anymore, right? Because it's all about streaming for Disney and and, and Chapek comes from the parks business. And I think that's where you could see the biggest drop. Uh, when you come back and you realize the prices that are involved in going to Disneyland or Disney World for the day. And then to think that, okay, am I really, if I think differently, then how they project their beliefs, are, am I going to be welcome there? Am I going to have a good time? So is it worth it to invest a full day in it? I just think the numbers are going to come back. I think this this board member nailed it. I think he's speaking for a lot of people, and, it, and it's not just Disney. I think there's a lot of companies that are going to be having these same conversations mm-hmm. because once this start, once the minor, the, the probably the quiet majority starts speaking a little bit more, they're going to get the attention of these CEOs and the board of directors because how long can you take it? You just cannot continue to take it like this. So, yeah, Shapik, yeah. when, he, when he came out, I, 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 was, I didn't do enough for you. I just thought that was weak talk from a CEO, didn't you? I mean, the memo that he sent out to his employees, it seemed like the only thing he cared about was his employees' feelings. And I maybe I'm old school, but when you work for a company, I think there should be part of you that is appreciative for the job. You do your best, and you don't have to let everybody know all day long how you stand politically. Mm-hmm. So I, I judged him by what he uh, released in that statement, and I think he's going to have a challenge. I really do. I also think Disney's yeah. in a very tough position because if there's one company that is kind of in the middle of all the drama that's happening in the United States right now, it's Disney. Think about it. I mean, how many of their employees are LGBTQ? They had just had a major walkout. Right, you're 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 there supposed to be entertaining families. Yeah, ESPN. Right, all that. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's in addition right. to you have amusement parks. So you're dealing with masks, no masks. Pat did a whole segment about the difference between Disneyland in L.A. versus Disney World here in Florida and right. Orlando. Right. You're dealing with kids, so you're dealing with especially with LGBT, the don't say gay bill, all of that critical race theory being taught in school. Um, just. It's yeah. sort of like a bellwether of what's going on in society. And now you have the Daily Wire. What is that? Ben Shapiro's organization that's coming out. And they basically said they're going to pump in, I don't know how much, millions of dollars to creating 
more conservative type content. So Disney's in a very tough place. They, like whatever, whatever direction they're going to go, they're going to piss somebody off. And if there's a company yeah. that doesn't want to piss people off, it's the yeah. company that stands for family values and and entertainment. Yeah. And it there's yeah. just a slippery slope. And to Tom Zenner's point, just get back to business. I that's, have you ever read any biography on Walt Disney? Which I've read a few of them. What a man! What a great guy! You know, I mean, I mean, he had his faults, obviously, but <clears throat> when he started that company, it was pretty simple. Like he, he's, you know, it was a simple um, thing. You know, we wanted to, he wanted to entertain families, and the you most know, magical place on earth. Yeah, and it was pretty simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, now they've been pretty complicated. Yeah. yeah, it's a giant. Now, obviously, this is the trajectory of maybe of what companies and corporations do. Obviously, you always want growth. You always want more money. You know, and that kind of maybe that's the reason why these companies, Twitter and everything else you see and like capitalism, some drop off is going to happen and then there'll be another version of it or something like that. But there's always this trajectory of like and I see Disney going that way, too. It's like this is what Walt would what would Walt say? I always say, what would he say? You know, he was a savvy dude, though. Uh, there's a story that came out. I saw it, uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe over the weekend. But watch this one. What's going on in Orlando? So when they, beat, be, uh, when they built Disney World, Walt Disney lobbied the government in Florida to basically circumvent the county, Orange County, and be able to build as much right. as they want. When they want to build a glass tower that's 25 stories tall, they don't need county approval, right? So I think they pay for their own management of the streets, waste management, all this thing. So it's almost like their own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But Republicans in Florida are starting to look at that and say, you have one hell of a tax break here. Yeah. You have an incredible advantage that we're going to examine right now that has flown under the radar screen for about 50 years. Yeah. And, and there are going to be mm -hmm. ways politically for mm -hmm. a little payback here. That's ironic that yeah. the Republicans of Florida want to regulate Disney. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let me, let me, let me well, say this part to you. So, so... This is where it makes me think, uh, uh, and I'm going to push back with you guys and see what angle you take with this. I'm actually curious to know how you process this. We, we talked about Nike when Nike decided to side with Kaepernick after the whole thing with kneeling. And it was, oh, oh my God, Nike stock's going to drop. Nike stock's going to drop. They're going to, this is horrible. I will never buy another Nike. Boom. They made $4 billion, like the next two to four weeks, whatever it was. Yeah, they embraced Kaepernick. And they're sitting there like, ah, no, this is what we're doing. You know, so, so no, we don't care if you're going to be offended or not. We think we're doing the right thing. Disney's doing this here. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I will never watch another cartoon again with Disney and all this other stuff. Okay, we're about to find out if this boycotting stuff is real or if this boycotting stuff is fake. The one part that I think is different, the one part, because I hear this argument from both sides that I think Disney's doing the right thing from uh, uh, the left, is the, the, the one thing that uh, I will say is how different this is than others is the following, is we saw what happened in uh, Georgia. It was it Georgia or Virginia? We saw what happened Virginia, in Virginia. Terry McAuliffe. Where the, the main topic that parents united on both sides of the aisle politically, where one side's like, listen, I'm pro-choice. Okay, well, I'm pro-life. Okay, uh, I, I'm, I'm about, uh, you know, entitlement programs. I'm not. I'm about minimizing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm about we're spending too much money in military. Well, we need more military to be safe. Okay, mm -hmm. but don't mess with my kids. Yeah, me too. Don't mess with my kids. <laughs> oh, so we have that in common? Yeah. Well, all right, let's unite. Yeah. And then boom, yeah. election showed and what happened. Mm -hmm. So the, the difference, I think, how Disney's going to be going up against Nike is this is kids. 
And if they think for yeah, a second yeah. that's going to be okay with parents, sure. I, I think they yeah, have I'll a, point out one yeah. other thing, too. Right. You know, I think Nike was defending a, one of their stars, which is different than defending you know, an employee that works at a desk or at a cubicle, which is what Disney's doing. The other thing is Disney's political beliefs come through in their product, right? So it's not like Nike was only making left shoes, right? I mean, you still love Nike, right? But with Disney, it's coming through in their movies and in their product, and it's coming through on ESPN. The other thing is there's a hell of a lot more competition for Disney than there is for Nike. And Disney's trying to become the number one streamer in the world. And they have a fight with Netflix and maybe with Amazon. And so I think there's less margin for error for Disney. I think it can hurt them more down the road because they have more competition. And it's constantly be throwing in people's face is how they feel politically. Right. When you sit there and you you talk to your everyday person, they're going to show you pictures of the kids. What do people care about? What do they really care about? I mean, the average person, here's my kid doing this. Here's my kid doing that. They care about their kids. You want to see a, the average Joe get fired up and want to kill something? Mess with their kid. Right. So that's where I think you're right, where it's going to be like, this is a little different. This is a little different when oh, you're talking cool. about someone's, because you want to see a general populace get mm-hmm. angry. Well, that's, what's the thing that we covered last, uh, last podcast uh, or last week uh, with Jank? I, I believe that they, they're going to stop referring to kids as boys and girls and right. now... Disney Dreamers and wishers yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So when, you know, you know, what percentage of society doesn't want to be identified as, hey, good morning, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. No, nobody has an issue with that. But yeah. now you're canceling right. the word boys and girls. That's where you get people with common sense being like, hold on. I, I'm I was out. with you guys. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, what's going on? here? I'm out. I'm yeah. out. I'm out. I'm out. You know, Kevin said earlier that uh, the nation is lacking religion. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not. You're just seeing instead of God, they're filling it with politics, and this is becoming right. a form of religion. Hollywood, the politics, the intersectional stuff, the 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 vaccines, the climate change. It's all becoming a form of religion. If you don't follow the orthodoxy, whether or not it makes sense, whether or not it's truthful, yeah. whether or not it's backed by science, if you don't follow the orthodoxy, you are a heathen of sorts, yeah. and you get cut out and cast out. You're gonna worship something. You know, I don't because the human beings we worship things. You know, and so you're going to worship something. It's not if it's not God, it's going to be politics. It's going to be uh, woke politics. It's going to be uh, the moon your, and the stars. Your it's own be reason. Yeah. Your own reason. It's going to be you're going to worship something, and so we're finding that it's shifting. Now we're getting away from God. We're going to other things, all kinds of different things, and they're not good. <laughs> How about that Southwest flight? <laughs> so funny out of it. You want to tell that story? Go ahead, Adam. This is Adam's favorite story. Yeah, where can I pull this thing up? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Are we uh, going to talk about this? Yeah, well, we're going to do it right now. Oh, my God. You better bring it out right <laughs> now. Bust it, it out. <laughs> so apparently uh, this Southwest flight passenger was very active during this flight. Did you have this story in your back pocket? I that didn't. You I didn't. But I'll pull it out. Uh, so apparently I'll a Southwest passenger arrested for masturbating not once, not twice, not thrice. But four times on a on a flight. Where was the flight going to, uh, Zenner? It was from Seattle to Phoenix. Seattle to Phoenix. First of all, yeah. who the hell is tracking the four times? Yeah, I want to know that guy that that was stood behind him and yeah. said, "Sir, so, sir, one." Gonna, it's like a scoreboard, yeah. right, up, right next thing? to the exit. Scroll sign. down here. One. Let's see if we can read the story out here. <laughs> so. Uh, Punching on it. So a is man that, on a Southwest a, Airlines is a, flight. Is this a joke or is this real? This is a real story, unfortunately. From Seattle to Phoenix is facing Seattle to Phoenix. How long is that flight? Two hours, maybe? It's probably three hours. Seattle to Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. Facing federal Two. charges for pulling down his pants and masturbating 
at least four times in front of a female passenger. Oh, okay, I got it. Shortly after takeoff, uh, Antonio... Sherrod McGarity, that's his name. He's an Irishman, all right. Oh, McGarity, he did it again. <laughs> Could oh, McGarity. McGarity. <laughs> Adam, read, read the quote. Okay. <laughs> was arrested by officers at the Phoenix Police Department when Southwest Flight 3814 landed at Sky Harbor International. However, McGarity told cops that he didn't do anything wrong, and in fact, he was just thought it was kind of kinky. The incident <laughs> started early on the three-hour flight, three-hour flight, <laughs> when McGarity... Uh, commenced his indelicate behavior. You, you know, there's indelicate. a delicate in the story. There, it, it says there's a point where he was doing it for one full hour. One hour. Wow. Do you realize that hurt? Do you like, realize Jesus. if your mask wow. comes down below wow. your nose for one second, they're Scroll all over you on a plane? How did they not notice this and stop this guy? I'm impressed with four times. Really. <laughs> yeah. It's just. But is this what, is this like a, are you like the, the you like the story because it's like a source of inspiration or what's nah, the just, hey you want to try this you know go for it but <laughs> I think it's a three hour what, flight we're, you seeing, beat we're seeing all these things happen on airplanes these days well first thing I'd yeah. like to see happen with airlines is to start flying and landing and taking off on time because Not a lot delaying of flights yeah there's been a lot of delays lately all the people that are trying to fly wow. and they get late. Zetter has such a Lots good point. Lots of delays. If lately. you pull your mask down for thirty seconds, the entire mm -hmm. plane swarms you, and yeah. this guy's right. beating it for an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it's the craziest aggressive. thing. You're like, you put your, take a sip of your ginger ale, you put it back down, and the steward's like, put your mask back over your nose. Okay, I got to read this last part. This is insane. I mean, this guy should be arrested. So, Ameri McGarity, your Irish buddy. Yeah, good guy. Master, good guy. Good guy. Ma masturbated with his exposed penis in view of the female passenger on four separate occasions, uh, ambidextrously uh, using both his left and right hands, you know, explains. Talent. So. Talented. <laughs> she suspected that McGarity ejaculated because stop, he licked stop. a white substance from oh, his fingers. What stop. is happening here right now? Holy crap. Stop. What is First happening here? Tyler, why did you want to address this story? <laughs> this is, why did you want to? Tyler, this is all why you. Why did you want to bring this story up? I don't know. I think Chris would have wanted it, Kevin. <laughs> what up, what up? Uh, my <laughs> golly. Uh, can we take phone calls? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get us off the story. Anyway, McGarity, sorry, John, man. if anybody McGarity. calls in in regards to the story, drop them immediately. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> Somebody What's brags wrong about McGarity? Yeah. Jesus. So if you got some callers that have uh, any questions or thoughts for Kevin, go ahead and let's take some calls. Yes, we have Paul. Oh, Paul, no. how you Paul doing, e. Paul? Paul. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? How you guys doing? Yeah, so, Patrick, first things first, I just want to say thank you because you gave me high praise last week in highlighting my comment. You said I made a freaking great point, and I had to, I had to show my wife that <laughs> you said I made good points. Patrick said I made a freaking great point today. <laughs> but my, um, my question is for, for um, Kevin. Yes, I met sir. your brother back in 95, 96 in a, in a restaurant in the city with my parents. And when he walked in, the whole place got up and, and clapped. Oh, wow. And he sat, he sat down. I was a kid. And I, I, at that time, I met Lawrence Taylor, Dave Megan, a bunch of celebrities. But I was nervous going to talk to your brother. And I didn't want to do it. And at the last minute, my dad gave me the elbow. He says, go, go say hello. And I went up to him, a 16, 17-year-old kid. And he, he was the one celebrity that looked me in the eyes and actually engaged with me mm. and uh, yeah. was, was an awesome guy. But I have a question about him. So Shale Sonnen talks about Pat, uh, Conor McGregor yeah. and says the reason why he has problems outside of the ring 
is because he's too tied to his persona in the UFC. And I'm just curious if that's what Chris had an issue with. Was he too tied to the persona of comedy and that he didn't know when to let it go? Did he have any hobbies or interests outside of it? Or was he always just addicted to, you know, the laugh and making people or making people laugh? Right. There's there. That's probably something that's true with uh, with the, with what happened. I think, you know, uh, celebrity <clears throat> is definitely not a uh, it's not a, a, a natural uh, way to live. I don't think there's a celebrity on uh, that ever is unaffected by the being famous. The nature of being famous is contradictory to the way I think human beings should live. And it does have a psychological effect on you. I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's pretty obvious. So yeah, unless you have a good grip on yourself, celebrity can really um, mess with you. You know, being famous can really mess with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that it happened fast for him and, and he he was caught off guard by the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it feels like he felt his role was to always be the life of the party. And make sure everybody was entertained, no matter what it took. And that's a lot of yeah. pressure. If you're yeah. putting that on yourself, I mean, you yeah. feel that 24-7. It'd be a tough yeah. way to go through life. It was too much. It was a weird world. And I think like celebrityism, is, you know, Hollywood is a strange thing to do to people. It's just, you know, the whole concept of taking a person and making them famous and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's strange. And it's, uh, it's not healthy. It's definitely not. And if you don't have a good grip on yourself, it's... it's, it's Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Quick question for you regarding celebrity. Um, yeah. Arguably, Chris would have been just as big as Adam Sandler today. I mean, sure, talk probably. about, like, I think he's the number one guy ever to come out of SNL in terms of net worth, worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Where do you think Chris would be today if he was still alive? Like, what Well, he would have been Shrek. I mean, he had he'd done Shrek. <laughs> did you yeah. guys know that? Pat, did yeah. you know that? Yeah. He was the voice of Shrek. Right. He had recorded the whole uh, first movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then w when he passed away, they thought, okay, we're going to do Shrek 2, 3, 4, right? Yeah. So then they had to bring in Mike Myers. But he yeah. he was Shrek. It would have been he a totally Shrek. different character. It would have been a wholly different mm -hmm. So thing, with Shrek, yeah. what else do you think he would have been? Uh, like you know, I don't know. He, he was in the, in the mix to do a really kind of a serious thing about Fatty Arbuckle when he died. And so that would have been a good project for him. And there would have been, there's a few other different things that would have been really good for him. And I think he would have probably done some serious stuff because he was a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like so, even some of the scenes in Tommy Boy when he's crying on the yeah, little boat. Yeah. With he the girl. He was a good actor. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so he would have done some serious stuff, I'm sure. You know how, like, Jim Carrey went from, even Adam Sandler has gone from, like, they have, yeah, but do Billy Madison, yeah. and the mask, and then they've taken on more serious sure, roles. they would have You done think that. he would have gone from the funny, oh, yeah. uh, burly guy to a little more yeah, stable, yeah. serious And he would have done a great job of it. I believe it. He would have done a great job. You want to take another caller? Yeah, we have Dante. Dante, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Kevin, big fan of your work on F is for Family. Uh, Thanks. But I had a question for Adam. Uh, I, a little bit earlier ago, you guys were talking about the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Adam, are you really justifying that somebody can slap another person and commit assault over hurt feelings and words? Are you really okay with that? I'm not okay with someone. Who is that, by the way? Dante. I'm not. I'm not okay with someone slapping someone, but... He didn't shoot someone. He didn't beat the shit out of somebody. I, my whole point is, does he deserve to be canceled? Because he sla a grown man slapped another man. I don't think he should be canceled. Should he be reprimanded and is the fallout justified? Sure. 
but he didn't beat the shit out of somebody. He slapped a grown man. Like Adam, you've been quoting this movie uh, all morning. Now that's assault, brother. That's assault, brother. That's true. Dante, do you have a follow-up to that? Well, yeah. I mean, if I disagree with something that Adam says on the podcast and I walked into the studio and slapped him in the face, would he be okay with taking a slap this voice for something sounds he very said? Familiar. I think Adam's feelings would get hurt and he'd be upset by that. That's assault, brother. Is it or no? Is this a joke or is it is Dante is real? Dante, is, are, you, are you one of Adam's friends or you've never met Adam before? I've never met Adam. Before, okay, where are you I from, Dante? I find it what? odd that he's defending assault over words. He makes a good point. Dante actually makes a good point. He's taken, so should so that's so not so the same should Will thing Smith he said get, in the past. get uh, arrested? What do we say? Like, what what should have happened to Will Smith? So I guess I guess the question would be, Dante. Let me see if you're saying this. Are you saying like, so maybe you give us uh, your your idea? What should be the repercussions for somebody like Will to walk up to Chris Rock on national television? At this point, a few billion people have seen it worldwide. What should be the repercussions for that? Assault charges. That's what should happen. He should have been okay. taken away in handcuffs for putting his hands on another person no. over hurt feelings and words. Well, what's worse? A grown man slapping another grown man. What happened with uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock? Or the other example I gave you of Jim Carrey full-on making out with an uninvited uh, woman. Who? What's worse? What does it matter which is worth worse? Both are wrong and shouldn't have happened. No, and but yeah, the point I, is he didn't get he didn't get reprimanded at the time. He was applauded. Then she should have been able to. You know what? When I see Dante, I'm just going to slap him straight in the face. Straight up. <laughs> Show watch, me Dante. Watch, watch Dante fly out. Wait outside of the Valuetainment building and record it. Put it on uh, his yeah. social media. Ghost viral. You're getting slapped in the face by Dante. Look, a lot well, worse Dante, has happened to me. You seem, you're like, you seem like you're a little bit agitated and frustrated, yeah. you know, um, uh, maybe there's a couple stories we c talked about today that could be a source of inspiration <laughs> for you. But have a wonderful day. Thank uh, you, Dante. Yeah, have a good one, Dante. Do we have another one? We got eight more minutes. Do we have another caller? That's Johnny. Assault, uh, yes, Aaron's on the line. Okay, let's hear Aaron. Hello, guys. How's it going? How you so, doing, Aaron? I just wanted to talk briefly about like uh, Frederick Nietzsche, right? Because he talked about this 200 years ago, how. Did we lose yeah, you? Yeah, R O N. Did you? Did Hello? You? Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Got Hello? Aaron, go yeah, ahead. Go we ahead. can hear you. Question. Yeah. yeah, I think he's listening on the playback. We should just probably get rid of him. Okay, let's go to another one. Can you guys hear me? Yes. We got you. That's all we have. I like okay. the, I like right. where he was going though, because Nietzsche says God is dead. We have killed him, and there will be never there will never be enough water to wash away the blood. Yeah, I, is he, that the angle he was going with? I yeah, that's he wanted okay. to quote Nietzsche, and and that kind of what uh, Kevin touched on earlier with right. the lack of religion in the country, and and one could say at a broader aspect throughout the world, um, the death of Christianity and and the the impact it's having on our culture. Yeah. Tyler, do you want to? Why don't you give us a prayer real quick, with guys? Let's all really yeah, join hands, hands and, and uh, give us a quick <laughs> prayer. I'd like you to see how. But you, you know the, the you know what religion is the number one. You know, when they ask people to check off what religion they identify as, you know the number one religion in America yeah. is um, we have Aaron agnostic. Back. Do you have Aaron atheist. back on? So Aaron, if you're back on, you you ask us the question, we can hear you. Go ahead. Hello, Aaron. Go ahead. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, I don't know what was happening, but 
Okay. Can you guys? We got you. Go Aaron, ahead. Are you Go ahead. Ask the question. Speak and ask a question, right. Aaron. Are you so, capable of that? Are you guys buddy? familiar with like Friedrich Nietzsche? Yes. Because he talked about the loss of meaning and the death of God like 200 years ago. Yep. Yes. You know, and how you have to be in a constant state of becoming. Otherwise, you end up in a state of nihilism, which I think is like really evident in today's society more than anything else. Like I'm 31 years old and I've had set like more of my friends. I've been to their funerals than I have their weddings. You know, yeah. and that is like a huge crisis in the world today. Yes. So, like, I do appreciate what you guys are doing and what you guys are talking about. You know, yeah, yeah. isn't that yeah? And suicides these, have gone up. Are these funerals because of overdoses? Why? I mean, that's a let's not just gloss over that. Yeah. You're saying you've, you're 31. You've been to more funerals for your friends than weddings. What's the cause of these funerals, bro? Is he still there? Yeah, he's, he's gone. So, John, do me a favor, John. When we take callers, ask what their question is, not what their comment is. If they can make a comment, well, we got a question yeah. for Kevin, uh, 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 is, is what I would say. By the way, let's wrap up with this. So, your favorite comedians. If you were to say your favorite wow. comedians, who would you say are your favorite comedians? I grew up with Mel Brooks. I grew up with, you know, the, watching those things. Uh, I, I grew up with uh, um, uh that that kind of comedy and also the beginning of SNL like Belushi and Bill Murray and those guys Dan Aykroyd and those guys I mean stand up wise I loved uh, Norm Macdonald he was a friend of mine I went on the road with Norm and uh, I loved him and uh, Sandler and uh, I love uh, Sebastian right now Man, I, know, Skalko. I think he's hysterical big yeah. time he is hysterical I love him so we la I laugh at him a lot so those are the guys that have influenced me. If I could uh, get to that level, it'd be great. Fantastic. Is, can, is, can I say hi to Kevin from one of his friends? Yeah. Give myself a little plug in the sure. meantime. Yeah. I feel like I'm on the Tonight Show set. Can I plug what it. I'm doing? Tell us. <laughs> on top of VT Post, I have a new podcast starting. Awesome. One Degree of Scandalous. I've been working on this thing for about two or three years. And my partner is another Wisconsin oh. famous funny man. Cato Kalen. Oh, yeah. So Cato told me to say hi to you. So yeah, we're going to start cool. this podcast on Podcast One where we're going to go back to every single scandal that there's Love been. It. And we're just going to have fun with it. We're going to talk to the people that were in the middle of it. We're not looking to you know blow anything open or anything, but just have a good conversation and un unveil some facts and, cool. and take where people back. Where can people find it? Where it's going to be on Podcast it? One. And oh, it's starting it in May. yet or not No, yet? it's not. So okay. just follow me on Instagram, at Tom Zenner, so and all we'll the updates is, will be there. When it's coming up, when it is coming up, oh, you'll May, let yeah. us know. We'll have you on, and then we'll put a link, and we'll drive to That'll it. That'll be awesome. Fantastic. Much appreciated. Cool. Kevin, where can people find you? What are you working on nowadays? Well, uh, I do a lot of stand-up, so this weekend I'm in Boca Raton, um, and I'm at the Black Box over there, and uh, I have uh, a website, Kevin Farley Official, and I also do a podcast uh, called Offsides, which is about football and, and sports and that kind of thing with uh, the savant kid who's like 12 years old, Leo Berman, and another uh, ex-football player, Ed Gantz, and we talk a lot about what's going on in, the, in pro football. Mostly. Literally 12-year-old kid. Yeah, he's t you know he's sixteen. Sorry, he's okay. sixteen, but he's got he's got a statistical mind. He knows exactly every step. And of all things, you could be talking about. You want to talk sports? Is that what you're saying? I love sports. Yeah, I okay. love uh, football, college and uh, pro football. Yeah, so we talk a lot about that. Yeah, and so uh, that's our that's our other podcast. And uh, I have another one podcast called Kevin Farley on the Road, which I talk about my daily life on the road, that kind of thing. Is the majority of your time doing stand up now? Or yeah, a lot of it. Yep, I have two movies coming out. One up. And uh, also the baby pack; those are those are coming mm -hmm. out later on in the in the year. So I have two movies coming out, and then I do voiceovers on F is for Family, but they've mm -hmm. wrapped it up. So 
Well, I know no, we're wrapping just... up, but the uh, one last question for you. You made an appearance on Curb. Yeah. You've made an appearance on a lot of uh, different things, but one of my, one of the funnier things I've seen is my favorite show currently is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, you did that too. Yeah, yeah you did. How was Always Sunny dealing with all it. those guys? Those guys are genius. You know, yeah. I mean, and the, the set is really fun to go uh, to be a part of because Danny DeVito's insane. You got DeVito. He's insane. Charlie. Yes, all of them are hilarious, and they let you do. You know, they're very cool on set. So yeah. I played this guy that was really a down and dud. They're yeah. they're. In a ski bum, and they're trying to have fun, and I'm like this real downer, and like fighting for custody of my <laughs> oh, yeah, child. This is sad. I'm very turkey. And yeah. how much time did you spend on set with those guys? Adam, for that it's show? ten fifty nine, folks. We have the okay. link below to go find Kevin Farley's podcast Twitter. Uh, he put it on there. Uh, one of the best comments of the, the day so far is Zach Harris, Dante 2024. So Dante out there, <laughs> when you're running for office, they, 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 you, someone's got your back here for running someone for office 2024. You, tomorrow, who do we have on tomorrow? Uh, big boy Francis. Oh, wow. Francis, Francis uh, Nagano is going to be here tomorrow. Uh, UFC yes. heavyweight UFC champion of the world. UFC heavyweight champion of the gonna, world will he, be here tomorrow. He's going to slap at him. Oh, yeah. that would yeah. be so. That's assault, brother. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, we'll see you guys tomorrow with Francis. Kevin, appreciate you for Thanks, coming man. out. This was, was fantastic. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Nice bye-bye. Nice to meet you, man. Pleasure.